This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with the returning Michael Remus today. And, oh, we got a packed show. Labor Day weekend. Bombers Riders coming up. We'll be all over it. John Hodge is going to join us from Three Down Nation. And it, we can't do a Bomber Rider weekend without bringing in our old pal, the longtime voice of the Riders, Rod Peterson, for the program. And, of course, NFL season is just about upon us. Six days until kickoff. The NFL Notebook is back with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton a little later on. And, of course, it is Friday, and that means marbles at the end of the program. So make sure you stick around on the YouTube broadcast for your chance to play and win with us on WST. But we do have some breaking Jets news that just come up in the last hour or so. We'll get to that right off the top. But before we do that, a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show happen, including our newest sponsor, Welcome Aboard Consolidated Supply Really excited to have Chris uh, Spicy, Joe Gino on with us. We'll tell you more about Consolidated Supply a little bit later on in the program, along with Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto. Thanks again to the folks at Princess. What a great day we had yesterday out with the Team Jen Jones and Team Reed Carruthers. A great, great day. Appreciate Princess Auto's support of us, as well as Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club, Breezy Bend, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboy Downs, and Little Brown Jug. Um, let's get Michael Remus in here. And uh, first off, before we get to the Jets signing of Sam Gagne, Thank everyone for coming out last night for our first ever sports trivia night. Um, listen, it was a perfect night. The new patio at Little Brown Jug was an absolutely uh, unbelievable venue to host it. And uh, I don't think it could have gotten any better. So special thanks to everyone that came out. Certainly, it was the first. It certainly won't be the last. And uh, we had a special guest star join us midway through, fresh back from holidays, none other than Michael Remus who's back on the show right now. Remo, what's up, man? How are your travels? Oh, man, it was really great to have uh, some time off. My first break, first days off since we started in March 2021. So I really um, I really wasn't, you know, it was kind of off in terms of, I wasn't compulsively checking our podcast stats or YouTube subscriber numbers. Like the first time I've had a break from that in a long time. So it was nice to have some time off. Barely made it back. In time for the trivia night, uh, I was pretty floored when I hopped in there, Huss, and um, they gave me a big standing O uh, when I came in, or maybe a sitting O, so uh, pretty, that was pretty awesome. So yeah, it was, it was good. Back, great night last night. Looking forward to uh, September now as the calendar turns uh, as we get closer to hockey season. Well, exactly. Listen, we're gonna, we've got some great pictures of the event last night. We'll save those for later on in the program. Um, when we do the marbles, we'll, uh, we've got some great pictures and, uh, shout out to our winners, uh, real deal, Neil and friends who took out the sports rabbis by a half point, but uh, we'll have a little bit more breakdown on that later on in the program. Uh, but Remo right off the bat, get the light. We finally have something to talk about in Jetsville. Bang the horn. The Jets have signed a player Sam Gagne signed to a one-year deal. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, here it is. The, here's the horn. Let's go. No, I'm not. It, it, listen, this is a depth signing, obviously. Um, it's a one-year deal. 
$750,000. But honestly, I think this is a great value signing for a guy that can come in and help the Winnipeg Jets. We've talked a lot about the lack of depth in the forward group, especially in the bottom six. Sam Gagne, a veteran player that comes in, and he's not a guy that has ever scored 20 goals in his career, although he did put up 13 last year for Detroit, 31 points, played a penalty-killing role for the Red Wings. And as I just talked with Dustin Nielsen on the lock shop in the last hour as this as this number broke, or this signing broke, I mean, the one thing that Dusty had to say about Gagne from his time in Edmonton, the fact that the Oilers were rumored to be interested in bringing him back, is that he is a guy that will be um, a great influence in the dressing room. And, um, yeah, listen, people have their own opinions on uh, what the Jets uh, are like as a team. Um, hopefully it'll be great under Rick Bonus. The one thing I can tell you that the addition of Sam Gagne will be nothing but a positive um, inside that room. And, you know, I think that uh, also the fact we can't ignore that he's a right shot. So, I mean, we're talking about bargain signings at or near the league minimum right now, Reem. Um Listen, this is not a blockbuster. I'm not sure that it significantly changes the Jets' outlook going into the season, but I think it's a positive right now. And certainly for a fan base and a team that has been sort of waiting for something to happen over the last little while, um, you know, at no cost to the organization other than adding a $750 salary, you got another guy that I think could be a versatile player and help the Winnipeg Jets this season. Yeah, I agree with you. This is the type of signing we knew the Jets were going to make. Um, I think I had said before I left that, you know, they signed Kyle Wellwood, a veteran player who had some success mid-September in 2011, who was going to be our Kyle Wellwood this year. And I think it, maybe it is Sam Gagne, 13 goals last year. You look at other guys Jets had in the bottom six, Vechnikov had seven, Tononato had seven, Harkins had seven. So Lowry had uh, Lowry had 13 and Cobb had 13 while, while he was here. So uh, this guy plays center wing. Right shot, provide some offense. Veteran guy, good in the room, as we've said. So, I I mean, I think it's a solid signing. I wonder if there's going to be more, more to come. They do have some salary cap space. So, um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed, uh, look, my ears pricked up. I was like, whoa, <laughs> Sam Gagne, when uh, I saw the tweet from the Jets and they wrote Sam's Club or Sam's new, new club. Get it? Because Sam's Club, that's a, Walmart, that's a Walmart thing. And his name is Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, let's see what people in chat uh, seem to say. I think I'm pretty positive, um, a pretty positive uh, response to this deal. And, you know, again, this is not a trade. You're not giving up anyone else. You're trying to add a little bit of depth to a, to a team that certainly up front needs it right now. Now, I'm still of the opinion that, you know, a, a great way out of the logjam on the blue line would be trading one of those defensemen and maybe using a little bit of cap space to bring in a forward um, that maybe makes more than the defenseman you're leaving. I think that would be attractive to some other teams. But even if that happens, I think, you know, we look at that bottom six right now, the Winnipeg Jets, and and even a guy like Gagne that could probably play up in the lineup for periods of time and fit well with some of the players in the top six if that uh, if that is need be. So um, still far from a finished product right now, uh, but for a lot of reasons, especially at a bargain basement price ream, um, I really do like this addition. I think it's a no-lose proposition for the Winnipeg Jets, and I think there's a lot of things that Sam Gagne brings to the Winnipeg Jets that this team right now in this moment can really use. Yes, uh, I, I agree with you on all counts. I'm a fan of the signing, and I'll see what he can do this year. And look, he had 13 goals on a poor Detroit team, you know, maybe with some more talent on 
on the Jets, depending on what kind of situation he's in. Maybe you could have a better season than last year. Um, you mentioned, you know, we thought they were going to move a defenseman. I think we've learned that since this Kulikov trade earlier this week for future considerations, the market for veteran defensemen right now is just not there, and they're not going to give away one of their guys for future considerations. Maybe a team runs into some injuries and we see a midseason trade, but I think when you saw that move, Kulikov was pretty productive last year for for Minnesota. Um, you know, that's kind of why we haven't really seen anything here in Winnipeg, but that that defense logjam is something that we're going to be watching all throughout training camp and throughout the season. Well, and, and here's the thing for the Jets in their situation right now. I know there's been a lot of talk, you know, on this program and in the chat about the Kulikov trade to Anaheim for future considerations. I mean, essentially just, you know, giving them up for nothing. Um, the Jets certainly do feel that these players, they do have value and would like to get something back. And I mean, I guess worst case scenario for one of the players that they are trying to move or maybe that doesn't fit in, um, if your only option is to trade them for nothing, um, you know, maybe at some point you put them on waivers. And if someone wants them for nothing, they get picked up for that. But that's certainly not the road I think the Winnipeg Jets would like to go. And, you know, injuries can happen. Well, we'll see how everything shakes out around the league through training camp. Um, but, I mean, the Jets do have some assets that they hope would be helpful to them. Um, right now, it seems that it could be somewhat problematic with so many individuals on the back end. Uh, and listen, even with the addition of Sam Gagne, I think we'd all agree there's definitely room in the top 12 to continually to, to, to improve. And maybe that means um, there is a spot for a defenseman to move out and bring a forward back in. But um, both with making deals to remove cap and making deals in general. I think it's sort of easier said than done right now, especially at this point of the NHL offseason. Sort of see most of those deals, if they were going to happen, happened earlier on. And um, now it's sort of wait and see as we get into camps for all NHL teams. Yeah, one thing about Sam Gagne, the first thing I thought of is he's number 89. <laughs> and I don't think, and I said to you, I don't think the Jets have ever had a number 89. The numbers was a big part of trivia last night I, I nailed that part but i just looked it up yes that is accurate there has never been an 89 in a jets 2.0 sweater uh, two players have worn 88 there's an 87 that was christian reichel 91 a couple players never never 89 so welcome to the 89 club uh, sam gagne well, as you said, I mean, it's just nice to have a little bit of Jets news to talk about. And I think this is uh, somewhat, uh, you know, it's such a positive development, as they say. It's, I mean, hard to be, um, you know, hard not to be behind a depth signing of a guy that, you know, had 13 goals last year, can play a number of different roles. And, you know, th you mentioned the rights that are sh shoots right. And, I mean, I have never been a guy that really subscribed too much to handedness. It's not something that I paid quite attention to. But certainly when you looked at the Jets' issues on the power play last year, um, at times it really, especially on the man advantage, it did come into, um, you know, creating some difficult situations for finding a formation that would really work. And um, I'll tell you what, that's just another bonus. And a guy with his sort of experience and certainly can dish the puck, I mean, maybe Sam Gagne can help out even on a second power play unit, uh, but certainly can kill penalties and I think can give you some solid minutes in a bottom six or a fourth line role that I think we all expect to be elevated from the minuscule minutes that that fourth line played last year. It's funny. Uh, I remember last year in the chat, um, in training camp, even people would be like, there's no right shots on this team. There's no right shots. I'd be like, eh, I'll be fine. 
Who cares? And you could clearly, you're, you're right, you could clearly see that because they only had two right shots in the lineup in Shifley and Wheeler, and they were both on power play one, that power play two with all left shots, uh, it was definitely a challenge. So I think they, they were clearly looking for someone who shot right, who could provide offense. And, you know, Dom, I'm looking at uh, what Dom's projections here from the Athletic Adam had a, sol a solid, what, like middle, you know, middle to bottom six players so 750,000 uh, men salary we thought they would be in this type of market veteran guy good in the room all the things that we've said you know has scored in the league before um you know, could be replacing what Stasny's locker room presence while uh, his leadership while you know contributing on the third or or fourth line or you know maybe they move him up at times I don't I mean I have no idea we'll have to see how it shakes out yeah, I mean, listen, that option is there. And, and you know, as far as the the room, um, you know, I don't want to make too much of this. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how much we can compare Sam Gagne to Paul Stastny. It no. certainly seems like they're pretty different individuals. But to your point, um, you know, the loss of Paul Stastny is, uh, you know, I think it's certainly impactful on the ice. I mean, he was an incredibly versatile player. He scored 21 goals last year, played up and down the lineup. Um, and also was a real, uh, you know, was an influence. I referred to him as the conscience of the team, um, but he's gone right now. And I think, I'm not sure Sam Gagne comes in as in that role per se, uh, but certainly talk to anyone, any of his former teammates, people that have been in the markets that he's been around before um, will definitely be a real positive influence to that dressing room. So I think that ticks off a few boxes, low cost signing. Nice to see the Winnipeg Jets making something happen and um, we'll see whether there's more to come coming in that next week heading into rookie camp and training camp just around the corner all right rod peterson's going to join us in just a second uh but remo i do want to give a big wst welcome to our newest sponsor at consolidated supply um I got to thank Chris, Spicy, Joe, Gino, and the gang for coming on board. Had a great time out at their HQ over at 1395 Niagara Road. And if you've ever driven by Consolidated Supply, see the beautiful, massive lawn, you might, I think a lot of people were wondering whether it's a, a public spot, but um, absolutely you can. And when you go there, you're going to see a business that has, you know, an incredible reach in a number of interesting industries that you know might be of interest to you first and foremost turf has always been their business if you've been looking for grass that will withstand your pet's waste or a grass that won't grow in a shaded area uh they've got all sorts of artificial grass solutions and maybe if you've been thinking about putting that dream putting green in your backyard the guys can uh, certainly help you out and our longtime listener joe i gotta give a special happy birthday to joe um because uh, he was celebrating a big one over the last couple of days. And uh, he's a guy that can help you with all of that. They've been the leader in golf carts. They are the club car dealer here in Manitoba. So if you want a new or used golf cart, you want to get it tricked out, our guy Gene down at Consolidated Supply and help you as well. And what you might not know, they've also got things like hot tubs. If you're looking for a hot tub, They've got some in stock right now that can help you out. They'll give you a smoking deal. Um, and they're also doing outdoor kitchens as well. So check them out online, <clears throat> cte.ca. We'll tell you much more about all the things that Consolidated Supply has for you. But official WST welcome 
a consolidated supply, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, big thanks to our friends at Vita Health for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. Of course, they've got organic produce, grass-fed meats, and a great grab-and-go deli for uh, people on the run to grab delicious and healthy Vitamarket salads, sandwiches, and soups. All good to go at all of their seven Winnipeg locations. Hey, local, family-owned for over 85 years, empowering Manitobans to lead healthy lives. Check them out at any of their seven Winnipeg locations, including their newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Well, the Wallace and Wallace gang has been so busy all summer putting up fences around. Chances are, if you've seen a fence, it is Wallace and Wallace. What you might not know is that they're also the leaders in garage doors. And they work with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world, with 161 styles of garage doors to choose from. There's definitely a style that's right for your home. And despite supply chain delays... You can get one ordered and installed in less than four weeks, just in time for the crazy back to school, back to hockey period that you and your family will be uh, be going through. Uh, they've got it all. And by the way, a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of your home. Visit them at wallacedoors.com for more information. You can give them a call or pop down and see them in person at their showroom on Lawson Road. And once again, Big cheers to the gang out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Few more weeks of the fishing season, but we're already planning for next year. And if you are looking for an amazing fly and fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg with world-class fishing and even better hospitality from the Turin family, Aikens Lake is the spot. Check them out online at AikensLake.com or hit Pit up on Twitter for more at Aikens Lake. All right. It's Labor Day weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about this Sam Gagne signing later on today, but we cannot get into the annual Labor Day classic between the Bombers and Riders without bringing in our good friend Rod Peterson, who looks to be a little far away from Regina right now, but still very much tuned into the big game between the blue and green. Hot Rod, how are you, my man? Good to see you, Hus. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely, absolutely. What uh, you, I, I love this setup. Uh, you got the palm trees in the backyard. It's uh, it, it's a far cry from Regina. How are things down in uh, South Florida? Yes, hot. Just yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, unbelievably hot. Hang on, he's fixing my audio source here. So allow. Okay, one sec. You say you can hear me fine. You that even better? Is that oh, even better? there you go. There you go. Now we got the pristine sound quality of the RP show live on WST. Nicely done. Yes, absolutely. So, <clears throat> buddy, when you just brought up the uh, Labor Day Classic, everything, here's what I think of. Every year I think of this. Me walking into that club on Dudney Avenue and you just leaning on the bar, <laughs> having, having a pop. Just leaning there, like it was like it was it was it was your town, like you owned the bar. Do you remember that? I'm like, Huss, what's up? We hugged each other. I think you ditched Lawless for the night, and I have no idea what year it was or how that game turned out or whatever. This game this weekend is about the memories, right, and the friendships, and uh, maybe the tussles you got into or something like that. But it's it's not just about the game. It's um, I've often said it's mini Grey Cup weekend. I think they've replicated it pretty well with the Banjo Bowl, but 
It's the biggest weekend of the year in all of Canadian football with Canada West football kickoff and then this Labor Day Classic. And uh, I just think of you making the trek over to the Queen City and you made it your town for a night or two. Well, it was because of our great host, which was you. I mean, we went back to the old uh, bar that you had in. It was basically the Rod Peterson menu, multiple items, great hospitality. And then, yeah, we did hit a few spots. And yes, Gary did bow out early. Um, just wasn't able to hang with the uh, with the big boys on Labor Day. But you know what? You're <laughs> right, Rod. I, I mean, so much of this um, of this weekend is about more than the game. It's about, you know, two provinces, two great fan bases, two arch rivals coming together to uh, have a hell of a great time and then watch always a great football game where you can often throw out the records. And, you know, before we talk to the matchup and get your thoughts on where the riders are coming into this game, I've often said, especially this year with just, I mean, an atmosphere at IG Field that I don't think we've ever had before. Great crowds, younger people coming to the games. <clears throat> if you could package this and bottle it and maybe spread it around the Canadian Football League a little bit, I mean, this events like this is exactly, exactly where the CFL strives to get to in places other than the prairies right now. And um, as I say, I hope we can, I hope the rest of Canada can see as much about what goes on off the field as opposed to the game, because it really is to me the key on getting new and younger fans involved in the CFL, because this weekend is just so damn fun, regardless of what side you're on. And that is what pro sports events are about. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is to that. I've kind of felt this way for the last few years, just, Guys like me, guys like you, Remus, just be a leader. Uh, people like to do, I found, what we're doing. So we're into the Labor Day Classic. So here's hoping that people across the country are into the Labor Day Classics and buy a ticket. The game in Hamilton sold out. I don't know what the attendance figure is for Calgary. The Saskatchewan game, they say, is sold out. So I'm expecting to see that when I turn the television on. And and obviously, the Banjo Bowl has been sold out for a few weeks. So um, it is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And the games mean a lot, too. And uh, I, I guess it's not our job, us, to sell these stadiums out. It's the CFL uh, head office's job. The Bombers have clearly done a great job about it. Am I not? Tell me if I'm correct in saying the Bombers are going to lead the CFL in attendance this year for the first time ever. That's the is way that it fact? looks like, right? That's what I've heard. I mean, obviously, there's more games and, you know, Bravo. maybe some team can turn it around. But, um, you know, it is. And... and you know, listen, I mean, I'll, maybe, I mean, part of that is what has and hasn't been happening in Saskatchewan because it has been sort of an up and down, but it's not to take anything away. I think what Wade Miller's done right from the top, the production of the team on the field, the winning back-to-back -back championships, make no mistake about it. Right now, the Bombers are the place to be when they are playing, and um, that's the sort of momentum you can bring forward. For the riders, there's been some, listen, there's been unique challenges coming out of the pandemic for teams all across sports. So, I mean, it's not unique there. Um, but this is significant, Rod, because I believe this is the first sellout that the riders have had this year. And, um, you know, both off the field, you hope this is a sign of things to come. Uh, but on the field, this is a team that, um, you know, has had some issues offensively. The defense is still good. Dis discipline has certainly been a problem. And a lot of off-field things have sort of been stories of the riders as opposed to, well, frankly, where they are right now, which is sort of the murky middle outside of that top three in the West Division coming into this back-to-back -back against the champs. Well, I want to, obviously, I want to keep it positive. Uh, it's not a shock to people in the CFL that know that I'm not a fan of the way 
the Rough Riders are being run. So take that for what you will, whether it be on the field or off. So there's that. Um, I've picked them to win this weekend because of one guy, Cody Fajardo, and I want him to win. Sorry to say, and I put that in my commentary today, and I had Winnipeg people who now watch my show write me and say, ah, you're still a writer, Homer. You can't get it out of you. And I'm like, well, what, what am I supposed to say? I love Cody. I want him to win, but I've been talking to football people all morning, Huss, and they say the Bombers are going to shellac the Rough Riders. You put their roster up against the Sask roster, the confidence the Bombers have versus the fragility that the Riders have. Yes, there's a lot of issues there in Saskatchewan, but for one guy... Cody Fajardo, I hope that he wins on Sunday. But consider this. In the last four or five years, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have wrestled the title of being the CFL's marquee franchise away from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And um, nobody can argue that. People in Saskatchewan don't want to acknowledge it, but they can't argue it. They won't say that it's happened, but they know it's happened. And to be honest, last summer, I was there one year ago. I think I saw you. I did. You were on my show at the rink. And... um, I went to the game. I was against the Argos, and listen, the buzz in downtown Winnipeg was, you got to get to the game. Three, uh, you know, 45 minutes early, an hour early, $43 beers, $3 hot dogs. But the place was full 45 minutes before kickoff. And I had a guy, a Hall of Fame CFL executive, call me and go, what are they doing in Winnipeg, man? And I so I said, you know, there's this buzz, and this is what they do. And he's like, did Wade think of that? And I'm like, I don't know. Probably not. No ideas are original in this business, but it, but they got it going. They got it going. The Bombers are the marquee franchise. So if you were the guy responsible for losing that title, you should be pretty embarrassed. <laughs> uh, and I think he is. But so that's one thing. And then the other is at six and five. This is tough to talk about, man, because I'm rooting for the Riders on Sunday. Sorry to your viewers. That should not surprise anybody. No, you're rooting for the you're yeah. rooting for the Bombers. This is why we do this every week on Labor Day week. Yeah, year. and I think I think we can still be friends. But when you look at this and say the Riders are going into a fourth consecutive home game, where they're the underdogs at home, fourth straight game at home, they're the underdogs. How does that happen? And if they lose it, it'll be their fourth straight home loss. How does that happen in a year that you're supposed that you are hosting the Grey Cup? And the general manager has said, we're not going to mortgage the future for the sake of one season. And we're kind of looking back going, I maybe you should rethink that. You know, so and then I looked at I read Ed Tate's column today at bluebombers.com. I'm sure you all did. Cody Fajardo has been sacked 15 times the last four games the Bombers and Riders have played against each other. It's like Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie, my guy Willie, are just sitting there sharpening the knives right now, getting ready to go to Mosaic Stadium on Sunday and feast on the riders. And I just hope, I hope that uh, Jason Moss has devised some scheme to neutralize that pass rush or it could get real ugly. Speaking of talking to football people, I just heard this morning that Jason Moss is going to be the next head coach of the Alouettes. That's a rumor that's been circling, floating for a while but now with an ownership change coming down in Montreal, and apparently Danny Machocha has assumed complete control of the franchise, and he wants Moz to be his head coach next year. Here's another thing to throw on the rider fire of things that just haven't gone their way this year. Uh, well, I woke run- up this morning excited, and now you got me pissed off. How's their way to go? <laughs> yeah, you just got on the big train on the uh, riders. But listen, I know Cody's your guy. Um, you're a bit a big supporter of Cody Fajardo, and listen, the guy has turned into you know a real top-level CFL quarterback. That being said, and sort of to your point about 
how many times he's been sacked in this series, how many times he's been sacked recently. I don't think that this team has done a very good job of setting him up for success. And Rod, you know as well as anyone that the pressure that comes with being a highly paid starting quarterback in a city like Regina, where it is all about the riders, comes, you know, with a unique territory where you're open for a lot of criticism. And Cody's heard quite a bit of it. But I'll be honest, um, and maybe this is defending him, um, but I think that, you know, he's been the victim of poor O-line play, the composition of the team right now. And listen, for them to come in, and if they are going to win based on, you know, and it's going to be about Cody, I mean, he really is going to have to have a superstar elite level performance because um, he hasn't had a lot of the help and more often than not, he's been running for his life. And that's part of the reason the guy's been so banged up the last two seasons. There's a lot of different ways to construct a roster. And if I'm not mistaken, Zach Caleros is the highest paid quarterback in the CFL, right? At a half a million. I think Zach is. Now he is. And, yeah. yeah, and Cody's number two. So I don't know how. How Walters and Mike O'Shea found a way to pay your quarterback the most on the CFL, but still f- have depth two, three, four deep at every other position, given that amount of money you're giving your quarterback. And then just turn around and look at Saskatchewan and say, you gave your quarterback this amount of money. Where's the rest of the money gone? How's it been disseminated? And they talk about injuries and they, at every group on offense, Jamal Morrow was the leading rusher gone. Uh, Dan Clark, the center, goes down, and the whole season seems to have imploded. They've had injuries at the receiver position, obviously with Shaq Evans and Kyram Moore and so forth, but it just didn't seem like it was set up real well in terms of depth. And there were fans going into the year going, this isn't the time for a rebuild. Where, Where's Jamal? Who's Jamal Morrow? Why is Willie Powell getting away? So, anyways... Um, Cody's had a lot to contend with. And when they put in Mason Fine a couple of weeks ago when Fajardo was pulled, yeah, he moved the ball real fast downfield. That's because I think BC's defense wasn't prepared for him. In the second half, they completely nullified him and, and shut him down. So I don't know what quarterback would be successful with this offensive personnel at this time. I think Cody Fajardo is in an uphill struggle. I did talk to him this week briefly via text, and he is good. He's good mentally. He's good physically. And that's the main thing. Because the football people that I'm talking to, primarily here in the States, football coaches, former GMs in the CFL that are watching all the games, they're like, Fajardo is good enough. His problems right now primarily are mental and confidence. I think we can all see that, Hus. You watch the games. You can be successful, I think, with this personnel. They they were last week against BC, which is a pretty good defense, too. And he threw for over 302 touchdowns. It can be done. But they're going against, as you know, this week, historically, maybe the CFL's best ever defense. This defense of the Bombers might be the best ever. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. It's not. You know that. Yeah, we could talk about it all day, and we often do. Um, but um, as far as Cody, those, I mean, you know him well. And, you know, I sort of mentioned the pressure. I mean, is he wearing, has he been wearing the pressure that comes with being the highest paid player and the number one quarterback on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the last couple of years, considering the expectations that come with a contract like that and being the guy in green and white? I think he's doing as well as he can. It was interesting. I don't know if you saw Mark Tressman's comments last week where he came out and defended Cody Fajardo and said, the guy's just being honest in the media. His confidence is shaken after being hooked. You want transparency from a leader. I think... Um, He's worn it fairly well, but I asked those rider fans because they 
They haven't all turned on them, but a lot of them have turned on them. And it's, I don't know, Huss, Winnipeg is a Jets town and a bomber town isn't a lot different from Saskatchewan. The people are very similar. It's toxic in a lot of ways. And when they people start grumbling and thinking a way of thinking, it's it's not it's hard to stop it. So they're really they're down on Fajardo there. So I've asked people, what what are you so down on him for? He was the player of the year in the West in 2019, threw for 5,000 yards, I believe. His stats this year aren't bad. He had 151.6 quarterback efficiency rating last week. And they're like, well, he called out his receivers last year. Leaders don't do that. I'm like, get over it. He was <laughs> right. He was right. These guys can't hold out of the football. That's what you're mad about? It's dysfunction. It's dysfunction, it's, Rod. And I mean, it. honestly, I mean, it's not... Um, I don't think it comes from, I mean, listen, it's just, there's so much pressure. It's a unique position and unique territory. And you're the toast of the town when things are going well. And when it doesn't fairly or unfairly, a lot of it goes on the shoulders of the quarterback. And I think we've seen that so far. Speaking of quarterbacks though, um, I know you and, and, and double D and, and the gang have spent a lot of time talking about the phenomenal first half season that Nathan Rourke had and the really unfortunate injury that I think hurts the Canadian football league um, overall. Um, but BC still got a heck of a squad despite that home loss to the Riders last week, still with only two losses on the year. What do you think about the Vernon Adams trade? And what does that do to BC, who, of course, are the odd man out not playing on Labor Day weekend? Because, I mean, they've earned their spot through this first half. And, I mean, if they can get even, I mean, they're never going to get the quarterbacking that Nathan Rourke did. But I still think they've got the potential to win a lot of games and maybe be the team that comes to Winnipeg if the Bombers get first place and give them a run. I mean, they've been very tight with Calgary, although Calgary, I know, 0-3 against Winnipeg, really close games, and I think Jake Mayer's really coming around. You can make up ground in the CFL in a hurry within a couple of weeks. And look at BC. They went one week without Nathan Rourke, and the GMs, Rick Campbell and Neil McAvoy, said, we've seen enough. And they go out and get Vernon Adams. And actually, coincidentally, I had Neil McAvoy on my show today. And listen, we could talk about Nathan Rourke a ton. I think he's spent his last year in the CFL. Here's a quote, Huss, that you won't forget, because I won't. The NFL people down here and the college people that I'm around, they said he's ready to go. He's ready to go to the NFL. And I said to Neil, well, you have him for one more year, so how are you looking at that? And he goes, if the NFL wants him, he'll get him. Right. So that might be the end of Nathan work in the CFL right now. So there's that. And I guess they will find a way. I, I guess if he gets an offer, they'll let him out of his contract. And wouldn't that be lucky for the BC Lions after developing him and drafting him and all the rest to Vernon Adams. It's a very, very talented team that Vernon Adams is walking into. Uh, as Neil pointed out, I believe VA's first season in the CFL was with BC in 2016. And they shipped him off via trade back then. So they know him. Neil knows him. So they got statistically perhaps the greatest receiver group of all time in the CFL, or at least Nathan Work was leading them to that. The offensive line's been rebuilt under Kelly Bates, and Bomber fans know him and love him. Well, no Kelly. So I think VA's just going to go in and not screw it up. There's a knock on Vernon Adams for whatever reason in the CFL, and I don't like it. I like him personally, and I get blinded, Andrew. You, you know that maybe you're the same way. If I like a guy, I love him, and I'm never coming off that. Ask Fajardo. Uh, right or Darian Durant or some of these guys, but they say I've heard just this morning people said VA can't read a defense. He is all about one read and reactionary, and he's had fashioned a career out of it with his legs and a strong enough arm. But he can't; he can get f confused easily. I guess we're going to find that out over the next few weeks with the BC Lions. But the point was they had that cushion. 
it was starting to evaporate pretty quickly if you look at Calgary and Sask's records. So they had to do something. And this is, I would say, saved their season. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when BC gets back on the field. We are with Rod Peterson, the host of the RP Show, daily 11 a.m. Check it out on Game Plus Network and, of course, on YouTube, leading right into Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know many of our regulars get an early start with Rod and Darren and the gang over on their channel. Rod, I can have you on without noting your current location down in South Florida. And as much as this weekend is all about the Canadian Football League, next week, Banjo Bowl here in Winnipeg, but also NFL kickoff. I know you're in tune to the Dolphins. You've been out to preseason action already, paying attention to the media markets around there. Very interested in the buzz around Miami right now in South Florida, heading into a season and the pressure on Tua Tagliavoa now that they've got the new head coach. He's got an ultimate weapon in Tyreek Hill to go with Jalen Waddell. What are people saying, and how much is this on a, a almost a referendum on whether Tua can be a legit starter for a Dolphins in a very tough dis- division with the Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills coming to town and playing them twice a year? I'm looking at my watch wondering how long you got because this is a fun discussion, and I won't keep you long, but... I've been down here almost a year, was what people don't seem to realize. You know that because we talked a year ago, but I got a real sense of what's going on, and I'm hanging out with the football people, the media people, the personnel people. I've been to the games. Tua won a power struggle with Brian Flores. Flores didn't like him. Clearly, Brian Flores is gone. Who is the guy? And Mike McDaniel has come in and made him the guy, the first-year head coach, who's also the offensive coordinator. They named him a captain for the first time in his three years in Miami just this week. I was at the game on Saturday, as you noted. First play of the game, 51 yards to Tyreek Hill downfield on a bomb. It was the highlight of the night of the weekend in week three of the NFL preseason. They're excited. It's electric. I got a good friend on the team in Sam McGuavin. You remember him, three seasons with the Rough Riders. This is year four with him with Miami. He was a Flores fan. Flores is gone. Sam's still here. This is a talented team, Andrew. They went seven, as you were, they're the first team in NFL history last year to lose seven in a row and then win seven in a row in the same year. <laughs> what was the difference? Tua was hurt in the first seven, came back in the last seven, and they won the last seven and almost made the playoffs. They went nine and eight. So tough division. I don't think it's that tough. The Bills, yes, potentially number one in the entire AFC, but I'm not totally sold on the Patriots yet, and the Jets are the Jets. So the Dolphins think they could challenge for first in the division, maybe get a wild card spot and go all the way to the Super Bowl. I know they, I might get, be getting swept up in this. I understand that. But if you ask what the vibe is, that's it. They're excited about Dolphins football. It's been a good time to come here. Well, and as interesting as the, the Tua story is and the quarterbacks take up most of the oxygen in the room and that's what the talking heads will be talking about. I am somewhat jealous that you're down there in that market just to get all the content from Mike McDaniel. I mean, I'm a big Andy Reid guy because I'm a Chiefs guy, but I'll be honest, this guy is as interesting a young head coach, and I'm fascinated to see what he can do in his first opportunity to lead a team. I think he does things in a new age way, different than maybe many of the old schoolers, and he's a hell of a lot of fun to listen to as well. I mean, what are you made of the young head coach for Miami, and um, what are people saying about him? Is he a big part of the excitement of this season? Oh, of course. They loved him from the day they hired him, and I'm sitting there listening to the radio going, he hasn't even coached one game yet, people. Like, pump the brakes here. But that's just Dolphins fans and football fans in South Florida. Leaving, uh, well, after the game Saturday night against the Eagles, if you ask what he's like, I think he's 39. 
the Dolphins' top PR guy was killed tragically on the day of the game. His name's Jason Jenkins on Saturday. For the first 20 minutes of McDaniel's news conference, they talked about Jason Jenkins, the PR guy, and McDaniel's w- was in tears. In tears. And I'm like, you've only been here six minutes. But he just, you don't fake that. Us. Right? Because that's how much he felt for the, and you can know the, the, the relationship between Darren Cameron and Mike O'Shea. They're going to be close. Right? And same thing here. And I'm like, this guy is real. He's hard on his sleeve. And we see it in hockey. You see it in football. You usually go from a hard-ass coach to a player's coach to a hard-ass coach to a player, right? It's a cycle. Flores was that football guy. Hard-ass, all caps, hard-ass, Brian Flores. And gone. So McDaniel's in here as the player's coach, and they just seem to want to lay down in traffic for this guy or walk through a fire. So don't discount. We all know the importance of coaching, but – even more so here, I think. They've brought in, while well, Jaden Waddles in his second season, they brought in Tyreek Hill, as I said. Uh, Roheem Mostart they signed, and also Sony Michelle, and they cut Michelle after the game Saturday night because Mostart was so good. So they've put the pieces together here. Have I convinced you yet? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think that, I mean, listen, I, me and Nielsen have been doing so much fantasy football content lately. I mean, really digging in. And Raheem Mostert's actually a guy that I think is going to be uh, making some people quite happy that they took a flyer on him late in drafts because when he's healthy and we saw it in San Francisco, he is absolutely a guy that can be counted on and be somewhat of a workhorse. And Chase Edmonds, I think, gives them a really interesting change of pace back. But it's going to be all about Tua and it's going to be all about Waddle and especially Tyreek Hill. And uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to, uh, to see what they can do. Rod, listen, before we go and enjoy the Labor Day weekend, I know even uh, far down there in South Florida, you'll be all over the games. Um, NFL start next week, the rematch weekend. Fill people in on uh, what you guys have cooking and uh, all the new stuff and new partners on the uh, on the RP show. Well, you see I'm wearing an Atlanta Falcons shirt. We just began this week airing on the radio in Atlanta. No joke, WQEE. It's a long story. I'll tell you sometime over a sandwich. <laughs> um, tonight, I'm going to the hottest Biggest high school football game in the state of Florida. It is Cardinal Gibbons High School versus Calvary Christian. The head coach of Cardinal Gibbons is Matt DeBuck, former Blue Bomber receiver, Matt DeBuck. I got immersed in that community. There's a big football community down here. Guess who the guy that tied us all together was? Chris Jones. Introduced me to these guys. And DeBuck is a Jones guy. So I'm going to the game tonight. He's getting me a sideline pass. I'm limiting it to one game a weekend. Next weekend, it's Patriots-Dolphins in the press box at Hard uh, Rock Stadium. I'm hoping it's not Hard Luck Stadium this year like it was last year. So one game a weekend and having a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you might need to mix in a couple more games, Rod, but uh, take advantage of it and the beautiful weather as well. But I know you're going to be making some time to watch the big game between the Bombers and Riders on Sunday afternoon. Have a great one, Palace. Do this again soon. And uh, all the best to you, Darren, and the gang. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There it is. The one and only Rod Peterson. Uh, Follow him on Twitter at Rod Peterson. Make sure to check out their show also on YouTube. All right. We're going to have a little bit more Labor Day talk. John Hodge of Three Down Nation coming up right away. Uh, But do want to thank our friends at Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. 65 years in the business as the go-to people for all things water for your home, your cottage, or your business 
and they've got everything you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them, 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 on the horn, or check out all their products that uh, can help you and your family at drinkculligan.com. Well, Labor Day is just about here. I know many of you will be getting in the car tomorrow and heading out to Regina. Don't forget your blues, people. And if you need to upgrade that blue bomber wardrobe, make a trip down to Royal Sports, New Jersey's in hoodies, T-shirts, exclusive back-to-back hats that you can't get anywhere else other than Royal Sports. And while you're there, check out all the Jets gear, tons of NFL merchandise coming in by the day, not to mention Blue Jays, NBA, international soccer, and more. But with hockey here, you probably don't need to be reminded that Royal has been the hockey superstore in town for over 35 years. But before you hit the ice, hit Royal Sports. And make sure to follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. Contests the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And a little birdie told me big tent sale coming up very soon in early September as well. Royal sports, 750 Pemina highway. Well, Remus is back. I promised you all, we would be doing a suit show very soon. And I'm pumped now because I've got my new suit from F apparel, um, custom suits guys beginning at 400 bucks, a great shirt sale this summer, three for $210. And the entire process was Phenomenal pop down. Andrew and his great staff sized you up, figure out the fabrics, patterns that you want. And a um, few weeks later, turned around, great new suit. Tried it on this week, and I'll be debuting it at a wedding this week, but we will have it for you coming up again. Uh, F Apparel, if you need to step up the wardrobe game, guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. F's the place to do it. 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out online or make an appointment to pop in and see them at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And hey, if you're not making it out to Labor Day and looking to get together with the gang to watch the Bombers and Riders on Sunday or the Monday doubleheader, no better place to do that than Boston Pizza, the sports bar in your neighborhood. Uh, BP has amazing daily specials, including happy hour from 3 to 6. Pizza flights are back. And if you are sticking around at home for the weekend, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. We'll be looking forward to doing a few Monday Night Footballs at BP coming up very soon. A great contest they have, which will send a few BP customers to Vegas to see the Raiders. But we're focusing on the Canadian Football League right now. And what a pleasure it is to welcome in our good friend John Hodge of Three Down Nation before maybe the most fun weekend of the regular season in the Canadian Football League. John, how are you, man? Great to have you on the program again. I'm doing great, Huss. Thanks for having me. It, uh... It's on. I mean, uh, here we go. I know the old adage is the Canadian Football League doesn't really start until Labor Day. Nobody told the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that, who are 10-1 and one right now and looking very good. But there is something, and you've covered this league for a long time and been there as a fan, as a broadcaster. Um, there is an element of the unknown when you get into these games. I'm still scarred from how cocky and confident we were in 2011 at seven and one, and the Riders were one and seven. And we know how those two games turned out. Um, but this Bomber team has established a whole new level of confidence in their fan base, rightly so, with what they've done. Um, and you've got sort of a wounded 
potentially dangerous Saskatchewan team? I mean, what do you make of this matchup this year, 2022, considering the very different past these two teams have been on this season and in the last couple of years? Well, I mean, it's it's the best weekend on the football calendar in this country, as far as I'm concerned, if, with the exception, of course, of Grey Cup in November. Regular season, you can't beat Labor Day. And this is the best Labor Day game. Maybe I'm biased. I'm born and raised on the prairies. And, and you know, obviously this matchup is, has been near and dear to my heart since I was a little kid. But I think that, you know, the ratings would bear that out. I think the buzz on social media would bear that out. This is an intense rivalry, and you're absolutely right, Huss. The records historically have not meant a whole heck of a lot. You want to talk Rocky Butler in 2005? I don't think anybody knows who Rocky Butler is except for Rocky Butler's mom and Bomber fans who had to watch him win that Labor Day Classic in 2005. As I think it was like the third or fourth straight quarterback that year. You talk 2013, right? The Bombers didn't win Labor Day, but they won despite the fact that they were awful. They won the Banjo Bowl. 2015, that one is one I always think about. The Riders started the year 0-9. They fire Brendan Tamman. They fire Corey Chamberlain, the head coach, and then they, they beat the Bombers. So you're absolutely right, Huss. The records can often be thrown out when it comes to this type of year. And I think that this year is no exception. I mean, the Riders, I think, have been a mediocre team to start the year. Uh, I like their defensive front seven a lot. I do not like their offense. Their offensive line has been poor. Cody Fajardo has been inconsistent at best. That being said, they are a team to fear on Labor Day because I don't care who you're starting on Labor Day. If they're wearing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders green and white, it could be the actual team or a bunch of high schoolers from the local province. doesn't matter. They're a team that can win on Labor Day because that's how this rivalry works. You know, it's funny. We were just talking to Rod Peterson. We always hook up with Rod on this week and have a little fun back and forth. And, you know, he's far more removed now from the Riders for obvious reasons, but, you know, is still a big Cody Fajardo guy. And we were just talking about it. And I would sort of make the make the argument that, you know, Cody's certainly bearing a lot of the burden from being the face of the franchise and the guy. And I don't think the organization and the coaching staff has done a very good job of protecting him and putting him in the best opportunity to win games. I mean, he's played hurt. He's been through a lot. And the bottom line, and I think Rod went through the 15 sacks in the last four games against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A lot of times he's running for his life. That being said, I would imagine that, you know, he at least for a short period of time got a nice confidence boost from their performance last week. And he'll certainly be looking to build on that with all eyes on him and his team at home on Sunday afternoon. Well, I, I would agree that Cody Fajardo has not been put in the best position to succeed. That offensive line, as I said, it has not been good enough flat out. I do think that sometimes as fans, critics, whatever, we, we are quick to blame the offensive line when a quarterback is under pressure. Obviously, there's a lot more right to pressuring a quarterback then simply the play of the offensive line, right? There's scheming, there's checkdowns, there's guys who are, you know, potentially missing blocks as, as guys who, you know, are either coming out of the backfield, guys who should be chipping, guys who, who whatever, right? There are receivers and, and you know, fullbacks, running backs who pitch in with the, with, with the blocking schemes. And then, of course, you've got the quarterback themselves, right? Michael Riley got sacked a million times his last several years playing this game. And to me, I mean, yeah, his offensive lines weren't always great, but he was famous for holding on to the ball for three, four, five seconds at a time. And when you do that, it's inevitable that you're going to get sacked. You're going to get pressured. That being said, I think Cody Fajardo entered this league. I mean, as as a, as a backup in Saskatchewan anyways, when he, when he really caught fire in 2019, 
as a guy who is facing literally no expectations, right? We saw Zach Kolaris go down the first week of the season on the Simone Lawrence hit, and everybody goes, okay, you know, and then the Riders had high hopes going into that year, of course. But as soon as Cody Fajardo's in there, it's like, okay, we got our backup for the rest of the year. Okay, if this guy can go 500, we're happy. And what did he do? Well, he led the team to a 13 and five record. It was the West Division MOP nominee. All of a sudden, things changed dramatically coming out of the pandemic, right? 2021, he is facing sky high expectations. He went 13 and five last year. Well, now he's got to go 16 and two, 15 and three. He was the MLP candidate. Now he's got to win it. And guess what? He wasn't ready for that level of production in 2021. And I think that it has gotten to his head a little bit. I think Cody Fajardo has been a little bit sensitive at times. I think he struggled with the pressure of being the face of that franchise. I think personally, he should have a conversation with Dak Prescott. To me, that's the best uh, comparison in pro sports. If you're the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, that is a CFL equivalent to being the starting quarterback of the, of the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't care who you are. That is a different level of pressure than anybody else is facing in those respective leagues. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. There's a special amount of pressure that comes with being the face of the franchise in Saskatchewan. And, um, you know, I think we have seen some of the downsides of that lately. Um, all that being said, how dangerous of a team? And we know that the Bombers are in a class of their own right now. I mean, and you know, well, listen, Calgary's been good, BC, but I mean, everyone's chasing the Bombers. Um, and we talked about how crazy things can happen on Labor Day, but... Um, just X's and O's inside the white lines. When you look at these two teams in this situation, John, how dangerous are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to uh, maybe handing the Bombers another loss? I mean, I am picking the Bombers this week straight up. I'm also picking the Bombers against the spread. I think it was four and a half points the last time I checked. To me, this is a game that the Bombers simply need to play mistake-free football. Zach Kolaris does not have to go in and throw for 350 yards. I think that Winnipeg's running game up front pairs well against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders front seven. I think that running the ball with Brady Oliveira, who is a full participant in practice this week after going down late in the previous week's game against Calgary, didn't play that second half. Johnny Augustine was the man in the backfield. I think running the football will help keep those Saskatchewan Rough Riders pass rushers at bay. Also, Anthony Lanier, who has been a stalwart at defensive tackle for the Riders, has not practiced this week. If he doesn't play, that's another big boost, I think, for Winnipeg. And if they can protect Zach Kolaris, I think that is the biggest thing. If, if, if you go in and you turn the football over three times, that is the type of game that these Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to be able to steal because you mentioned it has... The Blue, the Blue Bombers simply are the better team. And I think the Riders have acknowledged as much this week talking to the media. You know, if the Bombers can just avoid those mistakes, I think that they will come out on top. Because the defense, I don't think, will have a hard time shutting down Cody Fajardo. I know Adam Big Hill has been limited in practice this week. Obviously, you know, if he misses the game, that would be a downside for Winnipeg, no questions asked. But I don't think Saskatchewan's offense is very explosive. If you make them play long fields and you avoid turning over the football, I think the Bombers will certainly come away with a win in this one. You know, I want to circle back to Zach uh, Caleros. And and you mentioned, you know, he was the, the Riders guy and uh, got knocked out on that Simone Lawrence hit, and that was sort of it. Um, Listen, Mike, uh, you know, he's been somewhat indoctrinated like most of the uh, Blue Bombers into the O'Shea culture where they don't really give you too much. They're always talking about the next practice, the next game, going 1-0. and But, I mean, do you think these games are different? Is, the, is there something special about Zach being with the Bombers, especially after everything they've done and having the opportunity to remind everybody that uh, he still is the man and they could have had him? 
I think so. And obviously, I, I don't want to put any words into Zach's mouth. So this is speculation. Yeah. Because you're right. Of course, these Blue Bombers players are extremely well-trained and well-versed in, you know, speaking in O'Shea-isms. And I'm not saying that in a critical way. I do think, by and large, this team has truly and genuinely bought into the messaging that their head coach provides. Uh, but certainly, I mean, any athlete who succeeds at this level and Zach Kolaris has had a ton of success in this league over the last decade. He's won two great cups as a starter. He's he went to another one as a starter, almost won it back in 2015 with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 2014 with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And he's won an MOP. He's the reigning MOP of the league. Absolutely. I don't think there's any question that Zach Kolaris wants to go in to Regina and shut up all of those fans who are going to be packing the stadium. It's going to be a sold-out house at Mosaic. I'm sure he would love to go in there and 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 you know hit Nick Dembski for three touchdown passes. Nick Dembski, another former rider. People seem to forget hmm. that. You know, uh, absolutely. I'm sure he wants to do that. Will he say that? No. Uh, and again, I'm speculating. But does he feel that way? I strongly suspect that he does. He's a yeah, proud a little, competitor, proud a, competitor, a little Caleros to Dembski action ending up in the end zone. I think we'll uh, get, well, certainly from Nick's perspective, I think maybe a special Selly in the, uh, in the end zone at mosaic and, um, you know, what's going to be an awesome atmosphere. I and mean, we talked about it right off the top. There really is nothing like these back-to-back -back games between the bombers and riders in the Canadian football league. And, a uh, bit of a change for the riders to be the one that's getting their first sellout of the of the year at this point of the year. And the Bombers, as Rod Peterson pointed out, looking like they're going to lead the league in attendance for the very first time. And Rod stated that people in Saskatchewan don't like him say this saying, but it is pretty much a fact now that the Bombers have become the premier franchise in the Canadian Football League. And um, just funny how things can change after a few years, considering what our conversations usually have been like going into this weekend prior to 2019. There's much more happening in the in the league, and I do want to get to it. But just quickly, you mentioned Brady Oliveira, John. From a Bombers perspective, week in and week out, um, how impressed are you with what they've been able to do with the running game, how that is improved, and how much credit does Buck Pierce get for the way that he has set it up. Listen, it all starts with the offensive line. We'd be remiss not to mention that. And I think they've improved, especially that last game coming after a sort of a disappointing game against Montreal. Um, but I mean, I know you really do pick into the game tape and what's not. I mean, how much is the way Buck is setting up his players to succeed behind the success that Brady's had and sort of the 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 balance, I should say, of the bomber offense over the course of the uh, past six weeks or so? Well, it's it's been a remarkable turnaround. Um you know, to start the season, Winnipeg, I think after the first six games, I was looking at the numbers and yards per carry. They were not only last in the league, but they were last by a substantial amount. I don't have the number in front of me. I think it was 3.6 yards per carry, which would be bad by four down football standards. Three down football, you know, you, you want to be at that five yard mark. That's that's kind of your benchmark. The first yard is free, right? The NFL, I think the benchmark is four. Uh, of course, you got to earn that first yard. You don't get it for free down south so to me it, it's been a remarkable turnaround i know brady Oliveira spoke about talking with the seams re uh, receivers coach about trying to hit the hole and not necessarily trying to hit a home run each time and i think that that has done a world of difference for brady Oliveira. i think buck pierce and you're you're right to highlight his play calling i thought that that victory over the calgary stampeders whose defense by the way i think has quietly been very good all season they've been banged up had to deal with injuries trey roberson their uh, spectacular boundary cornerback 
out for the year with an ACL tear. Uh, I thought that was one of the best called games from an offensive play calling standpoint that I've seen all year. The team is balanced. They're not overly reliant on any one particular target. I think there was some concern about that when Greg Ellingson went down after having that massive game against the Calgary Stampeders, where I think he caught 11 balls off 12 targets, something ridiculous like that. And they have not uh, had any issue balancing the football. We saw Rasheed Bailey make that touchdown catch. We saw Nick Dembski take over parts of the game. But Dalton Schoen, right, who's taken over games in the past, was quieter against the Stampeders. So when you have players like that stepping up, Drew Olatarski, by the way, probably having his best season, it's all complementary football, right? The better you can run the ball, the better you could pass the ball, it's going to help you in all the other aspects of your game. And I absolutely think Buck Pierce has done a great job of scheming things up this year, especially after that slow start on the ground. You know what's a stat that I think will blow a lot of people away, even people that pay close attention to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Brady Oliveira is the CFL's leading rusher right now. And to think that we're having that conversation going into Labor Day, John, after the way the running game looked in the first month, month and a half of the season... Frankly, phenomenal, but a credit to, you know, the entire Bomber offense and also Brady, who um, I'm sure you would agree, seems to have at a whole new level of confidence right now running the football and, of course, a pretty damn good O-line to do it behind. Well, and I think that there was serious consideration from the club to make a change in the backfield. Johnny Augustine was, I don't think he missed time, but he was a little banged up about, you know, four, six weeks ago when Brady was kind of first starting to turn the corner. And had Johnny Augustine not been banged up, I'm not sure that he's not starting games behind the line of scrimmage. And so I don't know if that was the tipping point for Brady, you know, the possibility of not being this team starter. But obviously he has taken full advantage uh, of any additional opportunity that he was given. He has absolutely made the most of it. And it's been night and day. Actually, now that you mentioned it, has, I want to break down the numbers with Brady before and after his turnaround. Because if he's the league's leading rusher right now, that truly shows how dominant he's been over the last five, six games because we know that he did not generate uh, a whole heck of a lot of anything coming out of the gate this year. So really puts into perspective the amount that he has improved over the second half of the season thus far. Well, and you know, and it's 604 on the season. I mean, a few more good games over the next little while. We could be talking about a thousand yard season and uh, heck, I mean, maybe a CFL rushing title, which you know, would be a huge, uh, a huge accomplishment for him. But I think further proof that the basis of the Bombers' success on offense for a long time, in addition to a clutch quarterback that seems to make all the right plays at the right time, is an offensive line that was the very starting point of the building blocks of Kyle Walters, Canadian talent, and the big guys up front. And that decision continues to pay dividends today and week after week as this team looks for three straight wins, three straight championships. Yeah, I, I can't I can't agree more. For me, football starts and ends at the quarterback position. Obviously, that is the game's most imperative spot. But for me, after that, it's okay. What does this team look like in the trenches? Can can the offensive line get after it? And can that defensive line wreak havoc? I don't particularly care how good anybody's receiving core is, how good anybody's secondary is, unless they have those spots secured. And again, complimentary football exists, right? Nathan Rourke, for instance made BC's offensive line look spectacular because he's getting rid of the ball in, in a split second, right? The blink of an eye. He's making ultra fast decisions. We didn't see those same speedy decisions being made by Michael O'Connor and Antonio Pipkin this past week. And all of a sudden the offensive line did not look nearly as effective 
as it had. So yes, complementary football exists. There, it is symbiotic, right? The relationship between all the different aspects of the game. But it does, after the quarterback spot, football starts and ends with the trenches. And the fact that Winnipeg's had the best offensive line in the CFL for you know five, six years now, and they've got, of course, the dominant defensive line featuring the bookends of Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, you know, it, it's not much of a surprise, right, that they have become, as you said earlier, this this flagship franchise because when you've got an offensive line that can show up and punch people in the mouth, it makes life a lot easier for the rest of your football team. All right. No many people will be listening to this on uh, the way out to Regina, listening to the pod. Hope everyone has a very safe and incredibly fun Labor Day weekend. Nothing like it. Um, but, John, there is more than just this game. Let's quickly take a look at these other games in the Canadian football. You're going to want to ask you about a couple teams. But uh, start off with tonight. Ottawa, I know, opened up as five-and-a-half-point underdogs in the game this week. It had moved to four-and-a-half. And we'll uh, kind of touch on these cool bet lines while we have you on. Still four-and-a-half right now. Um, listen, Ottawa got a huge win for them just to give some sort of positive momentum coming into this game. And, you know, Montreal's had a kind of a weird week with the ownership situation and, of course, the trade of Vernon Adams Jr. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this matchup tonight, which is very much so the appetizer before we get the main events beginning on Sunday afternoon? You know, I, I have picked the Alouettes to win and cover. Uh, that being said, I mean, it is an intriguing matchup, right? And, and, and you highlighted that Ottawa looked great this past week in that big win in Edmonton. Yes, Arbuckle it was against finally Edmonton. got in. Well, and he did a very important thing, and he protected the football, right? Winnipeg, or pardon me, the, the, the Ottawa Red Blacks are simply not a good enough football team to win games if they're going to be giving their opponents short fields and not taking care of the football. If he can keep his nose clean tonight and let's say take no more than one sack from that very good Montreal defensive line that I think really came alive, especially at that game at IG Field a few weeks ago where they upset the Bombers. If he can avoid turning the football over, I think the Red Blacks have a chance. I don't think this game will be a blowout, but I do pick the Alouettes to win. I think if anything, as much as this ownership situation you know, could be a distraction at the end of the day. I know Mario Cicchini, the president, addressed the team when the news broke that Gary Sturm was stepping away and assured them all that, look, the the, the books are, are fine. The, the estate of Sid Spiegel is covering your salaries. There's absolutely no reason for any type of concern. Ownership has not changed. The only thing that's changed is uh, we don't have a minority owner tweeting a hundred times a day about how you guys are going to win games. I, I don't think Shakiti said that last part. I'm, I'm speculating with that last part, but <laughs> it still stands. I think that the Alouettes will win tonight. And I think that will make things compelling in the East because of course that would put them in a tie for first place with the Toronto Argonauts. I miss Gary Stern already. We actually Me had too. him on the program. We had a real fun <laughs> conversation with him. And I think that sort of thing is good for the league, but what's most important going forward is they get some solid ownership and, continue going in the right direction. Well, staying in the West, we'll finish off with the East game on Monday. Uh, but I know you've probably got something to say about the latest developments in Edmonton. Um, I was just doing the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen and we were talking off the air. I was asking him about the, you know, what the Edmonton fans were saying about the Elks right now and, you know, what people are feeling about how Chris Jones has handled this season. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that held out a lot of hope that, you know, things were going in the right direction and that, you know, it might be a tougher season, but they'd be seeing results. And I mean, this just seems like glorified preseason right now for Chris Jones and 
this revolving door of players has not stopped. And, you know, he sent packing some pretty significant players of a team that already was, I think, underperforming even relatively low expectations to begin with. Well, Jerry Modijong just wrote a column for Post Media, oh. basically torching I the Edmonton it. Elks Board of Governors, where, which, which at the end of the day is fair. That board of directors has been very challenging for some individuals to work with in the past. And I think that at times they've tried to become involved in decisions that they should not have any say in football-wise. That being said, if Chris Jones goes to the board and says, hey, our 29-year-old center, who's the best center in the league, who's a U of A grad and was born and raised in Sherbrooke, Alberta, who's signed through 2023, we want to trade him away. That is a rare instance where I think the board needs to step in and say, that's a stupid idea. You're not allowed to do that because that's exactly what Chris Jones did this morning. He shipped away uh, a player who I've talked to coaches in the league and asked who's the best center. Not all, but many of them will tell me the answer is David Beard and Edmondson. I think he gets overshadowed at all-star voting time by Sean McEwen and Michael Couture, but, but Beard is an excellent player. And again, 29, he's not 33. He's 29. He's got good years of football left in him. And he signed through 2023. To me, this is the equivalent of the Blue Bombers trading Nick Dembski, basically for you know a, a project player and a pick. And if this was the NHL, right, where a rebuild takes three, four seasons, I would say, okay, you got to suck it up. You got to do what you got to do. But this is the CFL, right? You can become a, you can go from a laughing stock to a respectable football team in the span of, of six to 12 months. The Edmonton Elks, you're absolutely right, are playing preseason football right now. And while moving a highly paid player out at Labor Day, you know, might help you in the future if you nail the pick and this young offensive lineman that got back, Jesse Gibbon, ends up being something. But at the end of the day, to me, there's no reason ever to trade a local talented player in his prime like David Beard. That, to me, should be a player who is not in trade conversations. Um, The only exception being you're getting a franchise quarterback back the other way. The Edmonton Elks did not get that. Well, and you know what? Part of the uh, the pitfalls, I guess, of uh, when we're doing the lock shop, getting on the CFL lines right away. We always like to try to get in because a lot of times, you know, getting in early can get you maybe a better number. Uh, and earlier on in the week, you know, coming off the last couple of weeks, the fact that they're way better on the road, they can't win at home. I thought maybe Edmonton could be making a game of this, even at a 12 and a half point spread. And now you know that Kenny Lawler's not playing and all of this turmoil. Um, I'm now sort of leaning towards this could be another one of these massacres that Edmonton has been the victim of a few times. And you know Calgary will want to put up a big show. You know they'll want to get a win after, you know, losing again to the Blue Bombers. And then you've got Jake Mayer, who, you know, needs to do everything he can to prove to particularly his head coach that he should be the guy week in and week out under center ahead of Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, the, the sample size on Jake Bayer is still not very large, of course, but from what we saw last week in Winnipeg, I don't think there's any question, at least at this point, that he is the better option under center for the Calgary Stampeders. He was able to breathe life into that offense in a way we haven't previously seen this season. He did not go over 300 yards, came just very, very close to that. I think he was 292, 296, something like that. But But the way that he was able to complete 15 straight passes in a row, again, against what, again, is a very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense. Simply outstanding. Um, to me, I think this will be a blowout. I, last I saw the line, it was 10.5 points. For me, I don't like to eat a lot of points, 
but hey, pass the mustard and uh, fork and knife. I'm willing to take on those 10 and a half points. If I'm getting Jake Mayer against the, the Edmonton Elks minus David Beard and Kenny Lawler. Absolutely. Uh, the other game we should get to is the uh, early game on Monday. It's the Tarcats and the Argos. And, and these teams have seen a lot of each other over the course of the past month. And you know, I've been on the Argos side. It's been a good thing. I think, I don't know, maybe this is a timing thing. Full of house, Hamilton, one-point underdogs at home, big boost, and really needing this game as well. Um, and I guess part of it is, John, I, like many people, are waiting for Hamilton just to get their act together when it comes to taking care of the football. And it all starts with Dane Evans in that, you know, so many of their losses this season have been entirely self-inflicted. Um, thoughts on the Ticats going into this game and can they get one back on their rivals, which, you know, has had had their way with Hamilton on a couple of occasions so far. They absolutely can. I, I have the Ticats here. And if you're giving me a point, I'm happy to take the point um, for the Ticats at the donut box. Hamilton's entire issue this season has been self-inflicted wounds. I mean, they are currently minus 21 in the turnover differential. What? It is shocking. We have, a gra- <laughs> we have a graphic up on three downs Twitter account with all of the turnover differential league wide. They are shockingly bad. And of course, because they are so low, there's a bunch of teams in the positive this season because when they play Hamilton, they eat right in the turnover differential. So Dane Evans, I mean, ultimately this, this game comes down to him. If he can play mistake-free football, and I realize this is the third time I'm saying this, if he can play mistake-free football, he does not have to throw for 300 yards because McLeod Bethel Thompson is not going to throw for 300 yards for the Argos. He does not have to throw for three touchdowns because McLeod Bethel Thompson is not going to throw for three touchdowns. He just has to go out there and run the offense and not make mistakes. And if he does that, the Tiger Cats are going to win this game. I think the Tiger Cats are a much better team than their three and eight record indicates. I have picked them a number of times this year and uh, been let down tremendously by that organization. Um, I think the pressure is starting to build. I think the heat is on Dane Evans a lot. I think the, the, the pressure is also on Orlando Steinauer a lot. I don't think Orlando Steinauer envisioned for a second that his team was going to start the year struggling this bad. This is officially the two thirds mark of their season. This has to be when they start getting it together. They are better than their record indicates. They literally just have to protect the football because the front seven Hmm. defensively is solid. The secondary is good. Their return game is solid. They don't run the ball very well, but they've got David Beard securing that center spot now from the Edmonton Elks. So to me, if Dane Evans controls the football, they're going to win this game. That said, he's not done a good job of that so far this year. John Hodge, a three-down nation with us, getting ready for Labor Day weekend in the Canadian Football League. The one team we haven't mentioned is the team that's the odd man out, and that's the BC Lions, although what a start to the season they've had, although completely compounded by the loss of Nathan Rourke. Um, Big news is this Vernon Adams trade. How big of an addition do you think this is? And, you know, are the BC Lions with Vernon Adams still capable of challenging the Bombers and uh, maybe finishing ahead of the Calgary Stampeders considering the head start they have right now uh, with that great start in the great first half of the season under Nathan Rourke. I do think that they can finish ahead of the Stampeders. I wouldn't be shocked if the Stampeders overtook them with the four-point lead, even in place. But that being said, I, I do really like this trade for the BC Lions. To me, Vernon Adams, just with his, his um, just with his vibe, 
right? For lack of a better word, the way he goes about his business, he reminds me a little bit of Henry Burris. And a Henry Burris was always at his best when it came to his chip on his shoulder, right? When his pride was wounded, you know you were going to get a good game from Henry Burris. And I'm not suggesting that they're the same stylistically on the field, but with the way that Vernon Adams Jr. carries himself, I think his pride was wounded with how things ended with the Montrealoets. He took the high road when he spoke to the media the other day. He did not throw any daggers uh, Danny Machoch's way uh, or the Montreal Alouette's way. Uh, that being said, obviously he was frustrated being relegated to a backup role very early in the season. And he had a lot of time to sit back, watch film and stew and get motivated to be at his very best. And he's got the best receiving core in the CFL at his disposal. Right. And the BC Lions defense, I think they struggled a little bit against the riders because they were on the field so much, right? That BC Lions offense was going to and out seemingly all game. But if that BC Lions defense isn't on the field a whole heck of a lot, that front four has really come on strong. The linebacking core is solid. And the secondary is very, very good. Maybe the best secondary in the CFL. So I, I do think that the BC Lions will finish second. Wouldn't be surprised if they got overtaken. But as far as Vernon Adams Jr. is concerned, I think this is a move they needed to make. And I give it a big thumbs up. John Hodge with us, folks. Get the three down nation for uh, incredible coverage week in and week out, and uh, especially this weekend heading into the Labor Day games. Um, John, enjoy the games. Just before we go, though, um, of course, it's all about the CFL this week. NFL begins next season. Do you have any hot NFL takes you'd like to put on the record on the program before we get to opening night on Thursday when the Rams take on the Buffalo Bills? The Super Bowl will be won by the Los Angeles Chargers. You heard it here, folks. Whoa, Chargers guy. Not a fan. I'm a Raiders fan, but Chargers. I think they're going to win this. I think it'll be Chargers, Bills for the AFC title. I think the Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl. LA will LA will repeat as Super Bowl champions, but not the Rams. That's my hot take for the 2022 NFL season. I'll say this. I'm now remembering that you are a Raider guy. I, of course, am a Chiefs guy. The Broncos fans are all fired up because they got Russell Wilson there. On paper, this division is maybe the best I've ever seen. And I think it would it's almost a lock that probably three teams from this division will likely get to the playoffs right now. And I do wonder what that internal competition between those four teams does to the overall records as well as their position going into the playoffs. But I mean, I listen, I'm here for the argument that the Chargers could be the team that makes it happen. I certainly think people are foolish. I, I'm on the record saying I think this is a Pat Mahomes scorched earth revenge season <laughs> uh, while everyone's counting them out. And then the Buffalo Bills, justifiably the Super Bowl favorites right now. Um, I know it's still hurting from 13 seconds of magic in the playoffs last year. Uh, but the AFC overall stacked and this AFC West is going to be must-see TV. I joked that the NFL, always looking to squeeze more money out of fans, should have found just a pay-per-view package for the AFC West games because I'll tell you what, I'd throw down for it. I think a lot of people would too. It is going to be phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. It is. And I agree with you, Huz. I've followed the NFL for 20 plus years. This is the best division I've ever seen. Um, it certainly beats uh, a number of divisions that get a lot more ink, a lot more attention, right? The NFC East has been a toilet bowl for 10 years now, but everybody wants to talk about the, the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Commanders or whatever. No, I, I, I'm with you with the AFC West. It's going to be a great year. I got the Bills winning the conference in the regular season, but I think the Chargers are going to make that playoff run, and I think they're going to get it done. But 
Again, I would not be surprised. What about your Raiders? What about your I, Raiders? I, New coach, Devontae Adams man. coming in. I, I mean, listen, I, I think that if they were in any other division, I'd feel pretty good about them being a legit playoff team. Yeah. I just don't know if there's room for all those teams to get in. And I think it would take um, some special things happening for the Raiders, maybe some injuries elsewhere to put them in a position. But uh, not because they haven't gotten better as a team since moving on. And it'll be very interesting to see how McDaniels does his second time around as an NFL head coach. That that to me is the concern. It's is is the head coach. I, I thought Josh McDaniel was 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 awful with the Denver Broncos when he was their head coach 10 years ago. He's the reason that Tebow. they drafted Tim Tebow in oh, the first yeah. round. Tebow's guy. Which I mean, may, maybe, maybe. You learn the second time around. I don't know. Hey, he but, beat the know. Steelers in the playoffs somehow. I still never forget that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. R.I.P. Demarius Thomas. The Broncos beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Let's get that correct. Tim hey, it'll always go down as an 80-yard game-winning overtime touchdown pass. What we don't remember is that it was like a two-yard pass over the middle. Of then R.I.P. Demarius Thomas took it to the house. And an I, incredible playoff moment. Tebow, 80-yard th- touchdown <laughs> pass. Game-winning quarterback. Playoffs. I've always thought about what it must have been like to be like, you know, a, a Pro Bowl linebacker with the Broncos that year. And you're you're out on the field for 65% of the game, and yet you hold your opponent to whatever it is, 12 points, and your offense generates like eight first downs. But then Tim Tebow puts together last minute drive wins of the game, and everybody talks about Tim. Nobody talks about the defense that held them in for the entire game. Uh, but the Raiders, though, I, I think Hunter Renfro is sensational in the slot. Devontae Adams is great. I think Derek Carr is one of the most underrated players in the league. Chandler Jones, a huge addition defensively, but I don't think the secondary is good enough. I have questions about Josh McDaniels, and uh, I, I think they're a good football team. I, I think they're going to win 10 games, but you're right. That 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 that, the, that AFC West is going to chew, chew itself up, right? It's going to cannibalize itself a little bit, deflate those records a little bit. And uh, so, no, I, I don't see the Raiders... Going to the Super Bowl, but you never know. It is still the NFL. And not anything can happen, but a lot of things can happen. Hey, uh, John, just quickly on the way out, speaking of the NFL, and we're going to talk a little bit more with Hacksaw coming up in the next segment. Um, Just quickly on the way out, thoughts on Chris Strebler's preseason, the fact that he wasn't able to make the team. I think he was in almost a no-win situation considering Mike White and Flacco were there. And if you remember what Mike White did last year in the regular season, and Played very well in the early part against maybe some of the more starter players before. Uh, but he, Andrew Dejarle, former Bomber, who was also released and now I believe ended up on the Saints practice roster. Fill us in on those guys and any potential CFL options going forward. Well, I, I mean, to me, Chris Treveller is just the perfect example to point to and say, can we just get rid of preseason games in the NFL? <laughs> I think preseason games are essential in the CFL because training camps are short, right? And, and there's no OTAs. There's no more mini camps. The NFL, these guys are in their facilities months and months and months during the offseason. They're training with, you know, highly specialized trainers around the clock. They don't need preseason games. And if there was ever a, an example to point to and say, look how pointless this crap is. It's Chris Trevler, literally like for a what is historically a terrible franchise, one of the least effective franchises in NFL history to win three straight games in comeback fashion. Yes, he's playing against backups, but he's playing with backups on, again, as I might say, a, a team that's not very good. Um, you know, that that's the prime example of a guy who should have made the team, but still didn't. He was the best quarterback on that team during the preseason. And he, he, he literally led the preseason in touchdown passes, only played the equivalent of about a game. He threw five touchdown passes. Um, and we know what Chris Trevler could do with his legs, right? If he's able to have success through the air, 
he should be on a roster. So to me, I hope that he is a guy who can dress for games this season and even play, even if it's just in a package role, right? If you're dressing Chris Streveler, you may as well put a package in there for him. I agree. Let him do his thing. Absolutely. Right. I, I mean, he's a guy like if you're dressing three quarterbacks and have a guy that's able to come in, I mean, I'd far rather have a guy like Streveler that you could put in in one, two, three unique looks in particular situations as opposed to a guy that is only ever going to touch the field if your top two guys get uh, get injured. And um, I guess the big part of for Streveler, because I think as it comes back to a potential return to the Canadian Football League, is he's so close to this NFL pension. And, you know, to get three games in, I do wonder, though, if he had already gotten to that point considering what's just happened with him being cut after the spot, if he doesn't just say, I'm going to come back to the Canadian football league because I do have a lot of football in me and I do want to play and I want to make a difference week in week out for the team that I'm on. I mean, you, you never know to me, to me, the, the smart business decision is to stay on that practice roster in the NFL as long as you can. That might not have been true 10 years ago, right? When the money on an NFL practice roster wasn't very good. But the way the money is now with the size of practice rosters makes it a little bit easier to stay on. Plus, then, if you actually get called up, you don't have to play that many active roster games to make what you otherwise would have in the CFL. And I also will say this. I'm not sure if Chris Streveler comes up if he is a $500,000 unquestioned starter. A team might say, well, you know, we'll, we'll give you 200 hard and then we'll give you play time for another 200. You know, so if you start 18 games, you get to your 400K. But you could also be sitting on the bench most of the year and, and end up making 250. Um, so I, I do see him staying in the NFL as long as possible. The pension, obviously, being a big part of that. Um, I just hope that he plays because let's be honest, the Jets, again, I don't think they're a very good football team in general. But you don't want Zach Wilson taking those shots. Joe Flacco can't move. And Mike White is is not really a dual threat player. If you get Streveler in there for a few plays a game, at the very least, you're making the defense prepare for him. Uh, in terms of the other former Bombers in the NFL, uh, Drew Desjardins was in preseason with the New England Patriots, played a lot, was not offered a PR spot, uh, but he had lots of interest when he was doing his workout tour down south originally. He joined the Saints, who really liked him, following his stint in the CFL. Then he got Jonathan Kongbo, who at the age of 26 has, has made an NFL practice roster for the first time. He's in that aforementioned AFC West division. He is with the Broncos. And so uh, I think it's wild. Two former Bombers make CFL uh, practice rosters who are Canadian, right? And by the way, Desjardins Kongbo drafted one after another, fourth <laughs> and fifth overall, respectively, in 2019. Says a lot about how well a team is drafting when there's there's two NFL PR players or future NFL PR players on the draft board and you pick them one after another. That's that's That says a lot. John, this was awesome. Thanks so much for the time. Keep up the great work over at Three Down Nation and enjoy Labor Day weekend in the Canadian Football League. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Huss. Anytime. There it is. Uh, John Hodge with us. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Great resource for Bombers and CFL news and, of course, everything they've got going on over at Three Down Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at John D. Hodge. All right. Hacksaw's coming up next. Hey, huge thanks to our friends at Princess Auto for the hospitality yesterday. That was so much fun getting out on the road and doing the show at Princess Auto HQ and sitting down if you missed it, especially you curling fans. Must-watch episode with the new-look teams. Teams Reed Carruthers had Reed and Jason 
Jason Gumlickson, two absolute beauties with me. And then maybe the most intriguing team in the sport in a long time, Jennifer Jones, along with Mackenzie Zacharias, joining me to talk about their new look team heading into the season. And of course, good luck to Jennifer Jones and the ladies out in Martinsville this weekend. They had a late flight last night. We're on the uh, rink this morning to get things going in the event. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers. The pregame Princess Auto tailgate party, which will get ready for the Banjo Bowl next week. And the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations that you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. I know T. Knott and the gang over at Knott Auto Corp are fired up for the weekend and, of course, the Banjo Bowl next week. Um, but, you know, while we look forward to football, there are real-life things, and, of course, that is getting from point A to point B. And if you are in the market for a new set of wheels before you do anything, pop on down and talk to our friends at Knott Auto Corp about the amazing vehicles on the lot or the make and model that you've got your heart set on, they can find it, get it here to Winnipeg, and get you into it at the best possible price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them, Waverly and McGilvery, or check them online at knot.ca. And hey, Labor Day weekend is here. I'm not sure if you're heading out to Saskatchewan. We get a little bit of green in the mix this week. Of course, a little bit of green on the can of the new Canadian club and ginger ale. And of course, the CC and ginger will be flown at the Princess Auto tailgate party next week and at IG Field, along with Canadian Club as the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But for this weekend, if you haven't tried it already, pick up a six-pack of CC and ginger ready to drink at your favorite local beer store or at Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, the Great Taste of Canadian Club and all the Beam Suntory products available at Manitoba Liquor Marts. And hey, just before we bring in Hacksaw, a big congratulations to Breezy Bend and all of the women who participated in the Canadian National Mid-Am and Seniors Championships over the last few days out of Breezy Bend. It was two, three years in the making with the cancelled event due to the pandemic went off amazing and obviously breezy and all the amazing volunteers that showed so well for the course for our city as well hosting such a big national event if you want more information on making breezy your golfing home find out more online at breezybend.ca all right just had a nice little a little tidbit of nfl talk with john hodge which was a nice tease heading into our next segment with our good friend, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And Hacksaw joins us now from Southern California. What's up, boss? We're six days away from kickoff. This is exciting. I can't wait. Hustler, thanks to be, nice to be with you on Beer Friday. Do you recall when you first started this whole package in Winnipeg? You said, Lee, we ought to swap jobs one day, and you'd come down and do my TV gig, and I'd come up there and do your radio gig, etc. Well, I'm going to take that IOU out of my pocket pal this is the temperature in my driveway right now 115 so what time is a flight leave from san diego to winnipeg can i be there by tomorrow morning uh you know what uh, check it out we are getting a new uh, direct flight actually from la to winnipeg so um, <laughs> that actually might work well we're popping down to see you um that is crazy well i hope the ac is working 
and working overtime right now for you and everyone down there in Southern California. Hey, Lee, you know, we were actually going to speak on Monday, and, and I wanted to bring this up because you had to go to a press conference. We want to get to the quarterback situation and, of course, the coaches. But this situation with the Matt Ariza, who is known as the punt god, drafted by the Buffalo Bills, booming 80 yarders in preseason. There was a lot of hype around him, uh, and it has turned very, very dark. Um, can you give us a little bit of an update on his situation and what you were doing on Monday when uh, you were unable to join us because there was, I believe, a press conference and more information on this civil court case that ended up with him getting dropped by the Buffalo Bills before ever playing in a regular season game? Andrew, I've been in a lot of ugly press conferences in my broadcast career. I've never seen anything like this one. Uh, the director of athletics at San Diego State and the head football coach, uh, J.D. Wicker and Brady Hoke, met with the media, and it was hostile. It was really bad. They read a statement, and then all they wanted to do was talk about the opening of the new football stadium and their opening season game against Arizona and the price of hot dogs, and, and it was awful. The media was relentless. The media asked eight straight questions as it relates to the Matariza rape investigation. Those two guys got up and stormed out of the press conference. And wow. I've been involved in a lot of bad press conferences, but the media was just absolutely shocked. Uh, I went back to one of the administrative assistants and I said, you got to get these guys back in here. This is not good, a good look for the program. And we got a job to do. Let the media do its job. We have to ask, ask these questions. So within 20 minutes, the AD and then the football coach came back. Uh, Ariza is still under investigation for a, a off-campus party last October. Uh, in which a 17-year-old woman says that she was raped by Ariza and taken to a room in Ariza's apartment and then gang-raped by a couple of other San Diego State players. Police did a huge investigation. They told the university, do not start your own Title IX investigation until we are done. And they finished it about a month ago. They turned all the evidence over to the district attorney. He has not ruled yet. The university has started its own Title IX probe. What we're talking about is Arise's status in the NFL because he's been released by the Bills at the minute this lawsuit story got out and the girl filed a massive lawsuit against these three players. Uh, and two other players are still out there, not part of the team, gone from the university, but under investigation. Uh, we're waiting for the district attorney. I'm a little surprised it's taken almost 11 months and there's still no decision. I think there's a big gray area. He said, she said. The fact that this was a 17-year-old girl who allegedly told Ariza she was 18 and they had a relationship. And then she was taken to the room in his apartment and she was said she was gang raped by a couple of other players. It's just really a bad optic for a really good football program. It's a quality program, quality head coaches. They put guys in the NFL. They've never, in a decade that Brady Hoke and then Rocky Long and then Brady Hoke came back as head coach in that decade, they have never had an off-field incident like this. They've had stupid stuff like alcohol and maybe a, a positive marijuana uh, test, but no guns, no domestic violence, nothing of this nature. So they were shocked, and we were shocked that they reacted as badly as they did. That being said, this will be set aside. College football season starts down here this weekend in the shiny new stadium. And I would assume the DA, they, they got to come to an intersection here and make a decision. But because it's he said, she said, I think that's why this thing has taken so long. But uh, 
it's pretty ugly. Yeah, so that's why I couldn't be with you last week. I wish I was talking to you rather than in the middle of a shouting match with the athletic director. Well, it was, it was I mean, a was horrible tough. story in the NFL and startling. And I mean, those details of just how that went, I think, speaks to, uh, you know, how um, that's affecting certainly people that, you know, maybe are looking back, wondering if they could have handled things differently. And um, anyways, not what anyone wants to, to be dealing with. And certainly the Buffalo Bills, as much as they wanted to have this guy in their roster, felt that they needed to move on from him and, um, probably more due to public pressure. I would have to think that they knew something about this beforehand, but uh, a lot of it is all just about PR. Uh, as far as the season goes, Lee, though, we're heading in to opening night, Rams and Bills on Thursday and a full slate of games on Sunday. And there are still some major quarterback issues in a number of, of markets and many teams that, frankly, aren't thought to do very much. Uh, to me, Seattle and Atlanta right at the top of the list. Dustin Nielsen and I in our lock shop, we are going over the odds for who will have the most losses, who will the, be the last team to win a game, all the futility odds. And it seems like Seattle and Atlanta always near the top of those lists, especially the Seahawks, who are a shadow of the team that they were without Russell Wilson, who's in Denver with a fat new contract signed yesterday. Well, you know, when we opened the training camps and I was with you on our first NFL notebook segment as camps opened, I said there could be as many as nine different starting quarterbacks in the league. But we're sitting in a situation here a week from the start of the year, and there's still at least five of these teams haven't really settled in on a quarterback, which is is a real problem. Uh, Pete Carroll's going to need an enormous amount of patience. Uh, he's got a quarterback issue. He's got a roster issue. I don't think from a uh, a draft standpoint, that organization's done a very good job. In fact, I think that organization let Russell Wilson down on the final couple of years just because their drafts weren't very good and they had a lot of injuries and didn't have guys to replace the Legion of Doom and all that. Uh, but Pete's got to choose between Geno Smith, career journeyman, and Drew Locke, former first-round pick, kind of untapped talent who throws interceptions. Uh, Locke complicated the whole thing when he tested positive for COVID about 10 days ago. Now, he did play in one preseason game and three, three picks, you know, Smith has played, but he's been up and down and that's been the storyline of his whole career. So I, I think it's going to be a terrible season in Seattle just because they're in the midst of a big rebuild. And Hey, Andrew, you know, as well as I do, pal, this is a quarterback league. And if you got one lucky you, and if you don't got one, you're in real trouble. And I think Seattle is in big trouble. I thought that Seattle was going to make a move on Jimmy Garoppolo but the deal never got done, and the 49ers are now saying that they couldn't trade him just because of the complications and the timing of, of the shoulder surgery that he had. So Seattle is a big issue. Atlanta's in the midst of rebuild. I was stunned that they said goodbye to Matt Ryan, who might even be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, he went to Indianapolis. They're starting with Marcus Mariota, and he's a quality kid, played in the Pacific Northwest at Oregon, but has had nothing but injuries in the NFL. So yeah, he starts. How long does he stay on the field? It's interesting. They gave a lot of snaps to their rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter, out of the University of Cincinnati. And he really was competitive in preseason. I mean, when you throw for 105 and you run for 59, he did that three times. Uh, that's that's pretty decent. But then again, that's preseason. That's exhibition games. Guys getting cut. Now you're going to play against Pro Bowl or starting uh, this coming a week from Sunday. So I think you're correct in your assessment. Those two have really got... I think crisis situations at quarterback. And if you don't have one, you're in real trouble in this league. Well, I, I, I mean, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo and I want, I mean, to me, the Niners are one of the most interesting teams in the national football league in that I think talent wise, especially on the defensive side of the football, I think they have everything 
that it takes if they can stay relatively healthy um, to maybe win the NFC. But the big question is, is Trey Lance ready to be the guy, the starting quarterback? They gave up so much to get that pick. They put a lot into him. But I did find it interesting. They found a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for this season. I mean, what do you make of these recent developments with Jimmy staying for this season? And what does that mean for Trey Lance? Are they not entirely convinced he's ready to go, Lee? Or is this just a a way of having a nice insurance policy for a young man that is going to be given the keys to the franchise? You just asked the question and answered the question yourself. Plain and simple. Uh, Trey Lance would have a good outing, went seven for nine, have a bad outing, went five for 11, throwing bounce passes and putting balls into coverage. He just needs live fire action, and he's going to get it because he's going to be the starter. How weird is this? NFL camps are just finished, seven weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo did not practice one snap with San Francisco's offense. He threw routes on the side to trainers and backup receivers. He was not part of the team practicing. Part of it had to do with the rehab from the late shoulder surgery. The other part, they thought they were going to move him in a transaction and didn't get moved. They went back to him after they gave his agent permission to make a trade, and the agent could not find any takers because nobody wanted his $25 million final year contract. They went back to him and said, we'll bring you back. You restructure down. He took a pay cut from 25 down to $6 million. Now, he's got $9 million in incentives in addition to the $6 mil base. If Trey Lance gets hurt, Trey Lance gets benched, they go to Garoppolo, then the meter will be running and will have a chance uh, to earn a chunk of that money back. They also promised they would not trade him, and they also promised they would not franchise tag him, which means whenever he gets on the field, he'll be playing for his next contract with the next team somewhere else in the NFL. But I think it, it's probably a bit of an insurance policy, but it's, it's Trey Lance's team until either he gets dinged or he proves he's a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know which is fact, which is fiction, but I, I think if you connect the dots, that's one of the reasons Garoppolo is back there. Hey, one more quarterback situation I wanted to ask you about, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Ben has been the guy for a decade and a half. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I don't think anyone really thinks he can be a day-in, day-out starter. They traded for Mitch Trubisky. They drafted Kenny Pickett. How's that all shaking out heading into the regular season, Lee? Now, Pickett has been unbelievable in camp. I mean, his first game, he was 9-for-9 nine nine right out of the gate. Uh, last game was 13 for 15. Uh, it's, it's played really well. But again, this is live fire preseason games against guys that are going to work at the Wonder Bread factory next week who got cut <laughs> from teams. Now, in all honesty, uh, Mason Rudolph is, has really been a stoic stand-up guy there as the backup to Roethlisberger, and he was competitive when he played. And they brought Trubisky in. But Trubisky's been with two other teams, given lots of opportunities, hasn't done it when it counted for real. Trubisky will probably be the starting quarterback. We had heard that Mason Rudolph was being shopped right before cutdown day, but there was no deal yet. I don't think Pickett's ready, but Pickett is probably the future. He's a real popular fan because he played across the street at the University of Pittsburgh. So they got three. I don't know if they have a legitimate number one, but at least in Mason Rudolph, they got a guy that kept them competitive, didn't screw it up, didn't turn it over when he had to play when Roethlisberger was hurt. So Rudolph may wind up being a player if Trubisky lets this fall through his hands again and Pickett's a quarterback probably a year from this weekend in Pittsburgh. Hey, uh, Lee, as far as coaching goes, I mean, we sort of touched on Seattle and I know Pete Carroll is in a, in a weird spot right now because there aren't high expectations. And, you know, if I mean, I would expect them to be near the bottom and that'll probably be just fine with people in Seattle because they need to get a quarterback moving on from Russell Wilson. They've got picks, but 
there's two spots in the league. And, and full disclosure, I'm high on Carolina. I think they'll be better. And I think Baker Mayfield will have a big prove it season. And I'm always skeptical of the Dallas Cowboys, especially with Mike McCarthy at the helm. But are there any two coaches in the league outside of Matt Rule and Mike McCarthy under more pressure heading into the regular season? Yeah, I don't really think so. Uh, and again, we've had so many coaching changeovers in the last three calendar years, and everybody's under these multi-year contracts like you got to do this show. I don't think, in all honesty, uh, anybody's in hot water aside from those two. Uh, and in Carolina, you got a very volatile owner in David Tepper, but they gave Matt Rule a mega contract to leave Baylor. So I don't know that they want to eat four years of a contract to let Rule go. You know, organizationally, they're down. I mean, they just really are down on the talent level. Please tell me outside of Baker Mayfield and the running back, Chris McCaffrey, you know anybody on that roster? No. Well, it's DJ Moore, DJ Moore, okay. very, what? very, and you know what? The funny thing is, they just traded for Lavishka Chenot uh, from uh, from the uh, from the Jags, who was a, a popular, sexy fantasy pick last year. Everyone thought that he would sort of be in that mix, and it never happened. And I was a little surprised that Doug Peterson moved on from him. Um, and obviously the Canadian Chuba Hubbard, who we saw a lot last year in the place of Christian McCaffrey. But to me, in a lot of ways, where their season went south started with the fact that Sam Darnold just hasn't been able to get it done. And if Christian McCarthy, uh, McCaffrey is not healthy, Lee, the Carolina Panthers are putting it all on the shoulders of the quarterback. And um, listen, I think they've got a better chance of succeeding with Baker there, but it really does start with McCaffrey in the backfield as such a do-it-all multi-tool player. Yeah, and he's had so many injuries the last couple of years. And he's Ten games. Yeah, he's just such a warrior. It's a big, big issue. So I would think that if this really goes bad, Rule could be in big trouble. But is Tepper going to swallow four more years of a contract? And in Dallas, part of me says, your left hand and my left hand say, nobody seems to like Mike McCarthy. Uh, but the other part of me, my right hand and your right hand, says Jerry Jones has not been a volatile loner. He has stuck with guys for a long period of time. Now, he granted, he's made some mistakes. Like, maybe he should not have dumped Jimmy Johnson when he did, should not have hired Barry Switzer, and it's kind of been an up-and-down thing. But, but look at how long they stayed with Jason Garrett as the head coach. So the, the, the wild card in the whole Dallas conversation is who's out there on your street corner at Portage in Maine? Sean Payton. Sean Payton wants to coach, has already said, I will coach next year somewhere. Barry Jones and Sean Payton came this close to getting the deal done prior. So I would think if this doesn't work out, uh, that McCarthy might be in trouble. But Jerry's history is not to be volatile like some of these other NFL wannabe owners who think they know everything uh, about football. But I'd say those are the two guys that are probably in the the biggest danger. But Dallas, to me, looks like a really good team. If they can stay healthy, I think Dallas is is a force in that NFC East. And Carolina, they got a long road back and a lot of a lot of rebuilding there. And I just wonder, as we spin back to Seattle, if frustration takes over Pete Carroll. I don't know what his patience level is to get into a total rebuild. And boy, you look at that roster, an awful lot of young guys and not a lot of quality players outside of the, that whole group of wide receivers. And all their running backs are always hurt. So I wonder if Pete would wake up one morning and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Although that's that's not his DNA, but that'll be fascinating to watch too. Lee, cannot wait to chop it up with you next week. We'll have a game to talk about. And of course, week one coming up next weekend. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, watch that Bomber Rider game. It's going to be another classic. Bomber's looking to go to 11-1 and one 
at their arch rivals Sunday afternoon will be a great scene. And uh, then we get the NFL next week. Uh, hey, you're playing, doing a great job. You get a chance. All your viewers, please check my website. It's really different. It's really uniquely hacksawhamilton.com. Ton of written stuff. And now we've started a podcast. I'm trying to be what Hustler's trying to be this side of the border. And actually, to be honest with you, it's going crazy. I don't know what I'm doing on it. I do the content. I have no idea as to how this works technically. And by the way, to celebrate Beer Friday, could you send me a couple of cold ones with ice glasses because it's 115 degrees in my driveway in San Diego and I can't stand it. Some little brown jugs are on the way, Hacksaw. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week for week one of the NFL. My friend, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. There it is. LeeHacksawHamilton.com is the website. Yeah, make sure you check out the Hacksaw YouTube channel and the content that Lee's churning out. It'll uh, be must-see stuff as we get in to NFL season. All right, we've still got lots to do. Uh, before we do, though, a big thanks. And speaking of 115 degrees down in San Diego, pretty darn hot the last couple of days. Beautiful weekend coming up. A perfect time to pop down and visit our good friends and wonderful supporters, Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Been with us since day one on the program before we even have done a show. And uh, one of the most popular sponsors for our listeners and viewers to support because it involves getting one of those delicious stack burgers or an amazing blizzard treat with some special summer flavors, including the new Kit Kat Blizzard and the Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard. And hey, every party or event goes better with the DQ ice cream cake. Hit them up at any of the four locations or on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get the cake done custom made for you to be quick, uh, picked up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And as we mentioned, um, I should say, Assiniboy Downs coming up. We are back at live racing. Remo made a little bit of a push over the holidays to make it even tighter. We've got a couple weeks left of our challenge, but that just means there's only a few nights left of live racing before the end of the season. Labor Day Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday next week, live racing. We'll be all over it and hope to get out there as well beforehand. And, of course, you can always open an account to hpibet.com and bet on Assiniboia Downs and tracks around the world. And a huge thank you to the gang at Little Brown Jug. What a party we had last night. The first sports trivia uh, evening went so well. Um, a huge thanks to Little Brown Jug for hosting all of us. And a special thank you to all the WS tiers that came out last night. A real who's who of the chat. Uh, many familiar faces. I know you guys have been talking about it, and we got a chance to meet a whole bunch of new folks as well. Um, we did it for the first time last night. We will certainly be doing it again sometime heading into the hockey season. Probably considering the turnout, maybe be setting up a few watch parties and nights where we'll get together, be it a little brown jug or BP or one of our other sponsors, and get the gang together, watch the Winnipeg Jets, Bomber games, and more. Uh, but, of course, the weekend is always better with Little Brown Jug. I was loving the Hefeweizens last night. Of course, you know the 1919. Uh, but pop down to the uh, brewery and tap room for yourself at William Avenue. Try them all. Pick out your favorites. And if you can't decide, grab a summer variety pack for this weekend. Little Brown Jug, William Avenue, and online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, because, Remo, uh, maybe what we should do is... Open up the uh, open up marbles qualification. 
Um, by the way, did we have some chat incident? Did you come back and are throwing people over the top rope? Like, uh, you know, just right off. I thought maybe you'd be in a more relaxed manner uh, coming off of, uh, off of your nice <laughs> holiday. I am relaxed, but when people act stupid in the chat, uh, I have to take action and make sure it doesn't get out of hand. Someone came in. I mean, look, I put Sam Gagne signs with the Jets. We always get some like, oh, Winnipeg smells. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I'm just going to come here and just insult everyone. Like, you can go. Beat it. And then we had another one of our regular chatters recently who decided he's going to throw out in some intentional, controver not controversial comments, but off-topic comments to get a rise out of everyone. And again, <laughs> intentional trolling, not allowed. So that is... I mean, wow. I told him to take a seat, so I... Coming back in hot, top roped already. Well, folks, you oh, know how the, this works. The, and by the, the way, the chat the chat was very well-behaved. I, I will, despite whatever happened during the Hacksaw incident in the chat, I would like to thank everyone for being, you know, for self-policing, if you will, and helping us out big time as Alex did the show and... Uh, Remus was away, but the sheriff's back in town, folks. So govern yourselves accordingly. Um, if you want, you know, I'm going to get to the cool bet lines right now. And then we can talk a little bit more about uh, some highlights from last night and get into the marble race. Uh, but your cool bet lines for today, by the way, new episode of the lock shop is out. Dusty and I did some of our favorite NFL futures, individual player props. That's available right now. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And starting next week, I'm going to be all over you guys to throw a sub over at our Lock Shop YouTube channel. Big expansion now that we're into September. We'll be doing four, five episodes a week, including daily picks on the Cool Bet social channel. So if you haven't already checked out what Dustin and I are doing over at the Lock Shop, please do now. Subscribe on podcast and check out today's uh, today's picks. Um, but as far as the lines for Labor Day, we haven't had a lot of movement. The Ottawa started off as five and a half point dogs. They're now four and a half. Montreal laying four and a half at home tonight. And the rest of these games have been pretty solid, although it looks like money's coming in on the Bombers. The line is still minus three and a half, but the Riders are now even money at that number at three and a half point underdogs. And you ought to lay minus 125 on the Bombers at minus three and a half. So that could very well get to four quite soon. Uh, Argos, Ticats going at it. That's been one for the Ticats all week long, and that's where we're at right now. And despite everything happening, the revolving door in Edmonton, the Elks are still 12 and a half point favorites against the Stamps. As I mentioned earlier to John, I picked the Elks earlier this week thinking that they're on the road. They've been way better on the road. They could maybe hang with Calgary and have somewhat of a competitive game. Uh, and then all the trades this week, Kenny Lawler out. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, on the weekly four-game parlay, which I cashed last week going 4-0 against the spread, if Ottawa covers, the Bombers cover, and Hamilton covers, I think I'll be making a quick fade bet against that Elks pick because I don't have a lot of confidence in the Edmonton Elks. CFL lines, U.S. Open, NFL futures, NCAA football, and even curling at the Martinsville Major. It's all up right now at CoolBet. And if you haven't played at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll double your first bonus, double your first deposit up to $200 by using the promo code WST. 
all right, so we've got marbles open right now. Everyone's getting in there. Uh, everyone's getting in their entries, uh, folks. If you haven't done this before, this is really fun. This is how we finish up our weeks with a marble race. It's completely free to play. You just have to be subscribed to the channel to win. So make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up while you're at it. We're over 150. It would be nice to get to 200. And put in exclamation mark marbles in the chat. And uh, we will be doing a marble race in just a few minutes. And, of course, shout out to Phyllis, who won the Remus Less marble race last week. Somehow Alex made it happen. That was a lot of fun. Phyllis got her hoodie, our version of the Masters Green Jacket, which you can only get by winning a marble race. And big thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and uh, their co-branding of our marble race prizes, the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Um, all right, Rima, while we get ready, um, I promised everyone we'd talk a little bit more about the trivia night last night. And uh, what an absolutely awesome night that was. I know you got off the plane and came by a little bit later on. I'm still looking to stick you with the first couple rounds of questions that you missed. But it all came down. It was incredibly close. Of all the teams that we had, uh, there was a number in the mid-40s, and we had two teams at the top. It was the Young Guns. The sports rabbis who came in at 53 points, edged by a half a point by Real Deal Neil and friends. Um, there you go. There's the sports rabbis. The new kids on the block came out. The guys were great. And they probably were at a bit of a disadvantage because I did include a good amount of Jets 1.0 content, obviously way before their time. Um, and Real Deal Neil and his friends took it by half a point but um everyone oh there's <laughs> there's neil stunting with the boys afterwards at little brown jug after their big championship uh but overall a who's who of the chat was there t kona poly roll how, how about that whip that t kona poly showed up in t kona poly always makes a good entrance uh last time last event he wore the what ice caps third jersey and yeah, he brought Saint out John's the, ice caps. He brought out the Stampeders, uh, Stampeders jersey yesterday. But yeah, rolled out. What was that? A cherry red convertible. It was it was an orange like nineteen six. Tikona Polly confirmed what kind of car that was, but um, that was absolutely unreal. Um, and hey, I see a few regulars. Derek McGoran, GF Liverpool. Gregory, you would have uh, really enjoyed it last night. I know you're a man of trivia and information. Uh, but anyways, thanks to everyone that came out and uh, Cal and Rebecca at Little Brown Jug that helped us out pull it off um, way beyond our expectations with the turnout. And I'll tell you what, Reem, I mean, I know it was hotter than hell yesterday afternoon, but it did cool down heading in. And what a gorgeous new patio they've got at little brown jug if you're watching with this on youtube you can see some of the pictures of what they've built there um and we had the entire thing filled up the upper deck was loaded with people you can see in that picture uh and there's t kona Pauly with the zach williams he's not a calgary guy but he is t kona Pauly, repping transcona zach williams a, a very exciting young player coming out of transcona for the calgary stampeders yeah it was I walked in. I got a bit of a standing, not standing, but a bit of an applause. It was very. Oh, it was a big moment. It was a big moment. It was very overwhelming. Uh, yeah, people upstairs. Beautiful patio. Beautiful at night. It's amazing when you can be outside comfortably uh, around you know 10 p.m. 
Uh, it was a great, great event, great location, and some really good questions uh, by you. I'm still waiting to hear those first couple, the first couple rounds. Yeah, when we I have missed. some time, I'll hit you with them. We'll do a little around on the program, maybe next week, depending on uh, how much Jets news we have. Uh, take a little bit of time on that. And I'm already working on episode number two. Did take a lot. I mean, I did probably spend about four and a half hours last Saturday afternoon and then about another hour or two just doing it for the first time. But I've hosted trivia many times before, never come up with the questions myself, uh, but it worked out well. It was really competitive, and bottom line, it was super fun. So appreciate you all for supporting Winnipeg Sports Talk and coming out last night. Um, all right, let's get to this marble race. I've got some news. Um, my friend Ross, who goes head-to-head -head with uh, my other friend Shorn, and they have a side bet each and every week, They've upped the stakes, Remo. If Ross beats Shorn in today's marble race, all of Ross's staff get out early. So oh. we probably have an entire an entire office right now clinging to the marble race in the hopes that their long weekend can start early. So um, I know who the folks uh, over there are going to be cheering for. Um, but we'll get in there. Last call for marbles, everyone. I think everyone's pretty much got them in. Um, but we do have to add in. I, I, I want to add in a few marbles, especially with our guests yesterday uh, that joined us here. And uh, and I think we need to put a Sam Gagne marble in too, considering he's the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets. What better way to welcome him to Winnipeg than a spot in the world-famous Friday afternoon WST marble race? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And T. Quintapalli writing in chat, his car is a 66 El Camino, orangish red, so high. Five. It sounds like uh, a lot of horsepower. Five hundred fifty horsepower, and then he says runs low twelve s. I don't know what that means. You know what that means? It was. It, it was. There was so. Oh, is that mean low, rolled like in low rider? So it was so much swag. He pulled that thing up like right in front of Little Brown Jug last night when some of us were milling around. Got out of the driver's seat, got in the wheelchair, and just rolled in. Okay, the party starts now. T. Kona Polly is here, but I was very impressed with the whip. I can't believe I didn't take a picture of that. I thought that I did and realized that I hadn't. Uh, but anyways, um, we'll do it again soon, and uh, we'll look forward to your entrance that day as well, T. Kona Polly. Um, it, so listen. I was going to say, speaking of Sam Gagne, I know you wanted to give him marble. Sorry, I, are we still on T. Kona Polly's car? No, no, no. Okay, they were moving on. I just wanted to add in. Uh, Mitch Clinton did catch up with Sam Gagne. He said uh, they had been in contact through the summer. And he's, Sam Gagne said, I was just looking for a good fit for myself and my family. I've heard great things about Winnipeg and the community, the fan support, and the team. So welcome to Winnipeg, Sam Gagne. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, hey, you know, if you missed the start of the show, we sort of hit that right off the top for the first 15 or so. Um, hey, a low-cost, low-risk signing um, of a player that had a pretty solid year last year, 13 goals, 31 points, did a little bit of penalty kill. And I think with the loss of guys like Andrew Kopp and Paul Stastny from the room, um, a guy like Sam Gagne that has the experience that he has in the league and certainly the reputation that he has of being a great teammate, um, a real nice addition for the Winnipeg Jets. And we've been waiting a little while. Uh, for something to happen, and obviously this isn't earth-shaking, but the bottom line is the Jets need a little bit more depth up front, and I think Sam Gagne, for a league minimum $750,000 deal, 
pretty good usage of available salary cap space. All right, are you ready for the uh, the other guys that we uh, we need? Oh, Roscoe Pico trains here. Roscoe, we missed you last night. We're hoping that you would make an appearance. Um, are we ready for the additional oh, marbles? Am I closing the entries here? Should I close yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closing, closing. Uh, we, I we closed are done. it. We got 160 people in here. Pretty good. Excellent. Okay, you let me know when you're ready for the yeah. additional the additional marbles, and uh, I will give you the names. I'll get them all in. Um, I know I was away, so I missed. Uh, did we talk about what the new NHL 23 cover? I've been dying to give my well, you my were hot on takes it. On you were on it. You, Zegers, and Sarah Nurse. We all I have saw those that. pictures. Hold on. We 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 broke we broke that up. I have the pictures. I will say my only co- I had no problem with who was on it. My only problem was like they were playing street hockey. This is NHL hockey, not street hockey. Twenty three. I don't know why they're, you know, with palm trees behind them on playing road hockey. That was my only. Hey, only bro, we're trying to make this game cool. We're trying to connect with the younger audience. So that's why Zegris is on the cover. Uh, I am. I love the fact that Sarah Nurse is on the cover. I mean, we oh. do need more inclusion of the women. And I mean, she is such an absolute superstar. Uh, and you know what? Hopefully it's great for the game. Hopefully you get some, a few more young females involved playing the game, paying attention to hockey and um, looking up to a hero like Sarah Nurse. And then, of course, you were just ripped on that cover as well. Looking okay. pretty darn good I'll, as you began. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull this up on. in case people missed it on the uh, people missed it on the show last week. Alex sent me. Let's... Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was wearing Dubs's shirt in all sorts of different places in and around the world. Uh, but the one that started it all, which literally caught me off guard in the middle of the show, I started laughing because I could see him working on it. Uh, was this one the NHL X Factor Edition? With Nurse Zegris and an absolutely ripped Michael Remus, and then uh, obviously you know the running with the Dolphins, the Safari. Uh, I believe he went down to Australia at one point. Great Wall of China as well for Reem. So uh, quite the travels that you uh, quite the travels that you had. Oh yeah, and finished it off over at the pyramids as well. And uh, yes, Remus and Dubs do have the same uh, the same t-shirt all right t will just landed you're in marbles let's go um all right remo are we ready for the uh, for the other uh the other m- marbles sure. that we need to get in sure who's okay so sam gagne okay hacksaw gets a marble okay uh john hodge yeah hot rod hot rod peterson yep and mm-hmm. then reed carruthers yeah. Gunner, Jason Gunner. Yeah. Jen Jones. And Mackenzie Zacharias. Our okay. guest, our live guest yesterday on the program. All right, everybody. What about Piper? Is Piper again? People are asking for uh, Piper. Yes, Piper is in. Absolutely, Piper is in. And, um, and there was one more. Uh, Carlos Jong. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Carlos Zhang. I don't know if you caught that Remo when you were away, but, uh, he had an, uh, Eagle, a hole in one and an albatross in the same round. Um, the only thing that's ever come close to touching Ken Weeb's two holes in one and, uh, and jumped on the program the next day to talk about it. That was an absolute weekend highlight way to go chat for reminding us. Carlos Zhang gets a marble. All right. Where are we going today? Oh, where, Hugh, where is it? Hugh says libel. Forget libel. He doesn't, he doesn't need 
Marvel. Yeah, no, Libel was represented last night by the sports rabbis who uh, were the up-and-comers in our WST trivia circuit, losing by only a half point and really being at a bit of a disadvantage uh, because of their age. But definitely, definitely nailed it out last night. We'll get Libel back on the so- Can uh, we? The, the show very soon. So is hitting for the golf cycle better than Ken Weeb's two holes in one and around? That we've been talking about that all week. I think myself, I think I just love to be able to say I hit two holes in the same round. I mean, it's just simple, it's easy, and it is insane. But I think by by rarity, I think the albatross, like it's harder to get an albatross, and there's way fewer albatrosses than there are holes in one. So I think the the uniqueness of the accomplishment might give a bit of a win, a 51-49 win to Carlos, uh, to Carlos on that. That's a tough, that's a tough decision. But yeah, Ken Weeb's golf accomplishment, I think, takes a stock down. This All right. All right. We're pushing 300 here for the marble race. Welcome, everyone. Don't forget, hit that red subscribe button. You got to be subscribed to win. Not to mention, it helps us out big time. And uh, it's great if you're on YouTube and you're a subscriber, it's completely free. But when you go to your subs, our fresh content will be there with the latest editions of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, before we do anything, Remo, we need the long version. We need the long version of Tristan Rivers' music. Everyone is ready. See, comments say it, Tristan, full length. We're never going back. We're never going back. We cannot start our Friday Marble Race without first having our theme song from our guy, Tristan Rivers Music. Let's hear it, Remus. It's All right, here we go, Marbles. And by the way, I'm just noting in chat that Bailey Weeb says, thanks, everyone, for the chat entertainment this summer. I believe Bailey is going back to school. And Bailey, I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever done this before. I'm pulling for you today. I actually have a favorite. I want to see you finish up this amazing summer of hanging out with us every day in the chat, finishing it off with the WST Marble Race victory. So sentimental favorite, Bailey. Hopefully you can make it back, but um, it's been great having you as a, a very popular and one of the younger members of the WST chat. So good luck to everyone, especially Bailey. Uh, we've got a great crew out for the Marble Race today. Good luck to Ross against Shorn so your entire staff can get out early. Um, remote, Kate, do we have the right list? First of all, okay. and that that's an important thing to remember. We have had just, you know, just making sure. And uh and where are we gonna go today? What uh what course are you selecting for everybody? Okay, we got 170 names. I gotta make sure I have the right number of names too. 
I don't know which one. Are there some new ones here? What's Castle Siege? That sounds fun. I don't know. Let's try it. I don't think Can we've we do done that, that one. Before. I don't know if you've done Let's this do one. It. Castle Siege, which is a nice preview. I believe the WWE has the clash at the castle this weekend. And I know I saw some guys in chat talking about the AEW event um, as well. Um, so, gang, if you're new around here, this is how we finish off the week. It's always fun. It's free. We got a WST Canadian Club hoodie for our winner. And uh, everyone's got a marble. I'm not going to we'll... do that one. It seems dark. I don't, I don't want to do it. Oh, okay. I want I want to do a track you can actually see. You know? Okay. That's good. I agree. I think that's important. Uh, what else are we doing? Tundra Tumble I was looking at, too, or Slippery Slopes. Uh, Temple of Steve. <laughs> Temple of Steve sounds funny. See what it looks like. We'll do Temple of Steve. I'm I'm not afraid to back out if it's it looks if you can't see. Okay, this this looks fine. Oh yeah, this looks cool. All right, and I like I like the long starting into the big funnel. This will take a little bit. Uh, okay, first time ever doing Temple of Steve. There's a lot on the line. We've got side bets in the chat. We've got sentimental favorites in Bailey who's got to go back to school. We've got our guest over the last little bit. We've got Mike McIntyre's dog Piper. We've got New Jet Sam Gagne. We've got Mr. Hole in One and Albatross Carlos Jong, and we've got the whole gang here together. So without further ado, Remus, let's drop the marbles and finish off another great week on Winnipeg Sports Talk heading into Labor Day. Oh wait, maybe I didn't actually load the name. Someone told me to load the names. I don't think I thought they automatically carried over. I've got to redo this. <laughs> There's no name. happen. We get a countdown and there's no marbles. Yeah, there's no marbles. Yeah. No winner. <laughs> Sorry. I, you're all out of luck. That's it. Have a great that, weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I've never done that one. I guess when I switched tracks, it it changed the names. Okay, let me try this again. Yeah. Temple of so, Steve. There it is. Showed it to one bird. He's like, you got to load the names again. I'm like, no, one bird. I know what I'm doing here. Don't tell me how to do my job. <laughs> and he was right. And he was right. Yeah, he was very right. Attaboy, One Bird. One Bird's always on top of things here. Former oh, no, winner as well. In, they're in here. Oh, I got to hit stimulation. That's why. Sorry. Okay, now we're. All right. Yeah. You know, hey, if you go away from the show for a week, you got to re remind yourself how I things uh, how okay, things work again. All right. Now, <laughs> now we're ready to go. Everybody's in. The marbles are at the start finish line, and we are about to drop them on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's go. Here we go. They're, now they're all in. <laughs> all right big start wide wide turns through the opening funnel john hodge t kona Polly, reed carruthers right now technically in first although anything can happen right now it's it's all often with these courses with the big big funnels the early start is huge to see who gets down first who will be the first marble that makes it through craig smith Chippy, Yakman, Cougars for everyone. <laughs> Cougars for everyone. That's an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Chippy, Craig Smith looking pretty good. Huynchenko has been quite uh, quite close a few times. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, cigars, not Cougars for everyone. It's cigars for everyone. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, Klassen, Christopher Met in the mix, pretty and Pionk always contending in these marble races. Uh, but right now coming out of the first set of obstacles, it is cigars for everyone. 
and cigars for everyone actually had a nice fortuitous run with that um with that obstacle and is now in going down thing but we've got team we've got marbles on both sides it's going to be interesting to see who comes out first i do believe it's cigars for everyone that is still in first place and a little bit of a lead as cigars for everyone heads down oh too and he uh another nice work with the uh oh but christopher met christopher met b henderson there was a some big big moves made right there mike win mike win in the mix as well winnipeg chaster Corey. oh oh and hacksaw hacksaw is coming up right behind these guys let's see what happens we are very close oh and this is one where you could be out of it depending on where it's going back and forth which side is going to be the one that has the bucket for it at the end. Mike Wynn thrown over the top rope. No one's gotten in first. There is casualties. Dave the Fantasy wins. Dave the Fantasy wins. B. Henderson gets in first. I see Jay Miller, Krugs. What an epic, epic ending. This is a crazy track. Nothing, you can take nothing for granted until you're finally in. And now we're seeing the chaos and the casualties as marble after marble gets close to the end, but ends up being thrown over the proverbial top rope. Here is the top 10. Dave, the fantasy Dave's a regular. Congratulations, Dave. I believe that's Dave's first ever win. B Henderson, Krugs, Daryl Morosky, Jay Miller, Prairie boy, Hewichenko, Doug Phil, what up, Doug? Steve Bate, and Justin F. There is our top 10 for the day. I see Adam Douglas just hanging out here. And now he's gone over the top rope. Dave the Fantasy. Now, let's get to the final results, Remo. I'm very interested to see uh, where everyone... Oh, Hacksaw, 11th, and the GFL, Gregory, a nice performance at 12th overall. Carlos Jong got in at 15th. John Hodge got in at 17th. There's Schickster, Jack C, Brown-Eyed Girl, MJD. Just keep going down as we uh, go through this uh, this list. We'll see everyone. Gunner, Jason Gunlickson, a lot of the ones that we put in actually ended up getting through. There's the Hollywood Gremlin and Sam Gagne. Welcome to Winnipeg with a 31st place finish in the marble race today. Uh, we're continuing to go down. I'm looking to see if Shorn or Ross ends up here first. There's Travis Sprout. What's up, Trav? Kenny's water bottle. T. Conopoli made it through. Greg Hasbeek, one of the final ones to get through. And Rob Pepper as well. And now all of the marbles that ended up. Oh, that was a very difficult one. Um, because of course you had the chances, even if you were in first place, if when your marble came out, it could not be not. Yeah. Ross over the top rope. And I'd imagine we're going to see Bozeman, uh, over the top rope as well. Ross, I think you, uh, performed well enough and it is the long weekend. You probably should still let your, uh, let your staff go out because, um, it was extraneous circumstances because of the temple of Steve and all the extensive, <laughs> All the extensive. And there's Corey May, by the way. Corey, great to meet you last night. That was awesome. Uh, so many new faces coming out today as we go through. Uh, just head up all the way down to the bottom room if we can, just to hey, confirm. Sam Gagne, I believe he did have 31 points 
last season and he, he did. just finished 31st in the marble race. No, that is exactly right. I don't and know. Poor Mike Wynn. Poor Mike Wynn. DNP, Chris Vermette as well. You guys are right in the mix, but uh, that was a pretty savage. That was a pretty, pretty savage um, course. The Temple the of finish. Steve today. That finish was incredible. Oh, my God. Totally. totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if you were there first, it didn't guarantee that you were going to win. You had to come out of the right hole at the right time. Yeah, well, lots of DNFs today, folks. Uh, next week, heading into uh, the Banjo Bowl, uh, we'll do a big, big Bomber Rider-themed marble race. Maybe we'll try and get a, a green or blue course uh, for next week. Uh, that being said, Remo, welcome back. Great to have you back on the program. Again, a big thanks to Alex Allard, who was uh, just great hanging out with us and taking care of things behind the scenes for the show over the last little bit. And once again, thanks to all the sponsors, especially our newest one, Consolidated Turf and Supply. Pop out and see him. And Joe, I'm not sure if you made it into the marble race, but happy birthday to you. Always great to have sponsors on that are also Big time, everyday Winnipeg sports talk. Listeners, pop down and see him. 1395 Niagara Road West. Or check him out online at cte.ca. All right, gang. For those of you that are going to Labor Day, have an amazing time. Hit us with any picks you have from the games or maybe the scenes around Regina. Tweet us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll boost a few of those. And obviously, you can tag us on Instagram as well. Um, we got a few days off. We'll be back on Tuesday. More on the Sam Gagne signing, more on the Jets heading into training camp, and obviously a full recap of Bombers, Riders, and the Labor Day Classic, and a countdown to next Saturday's Banjo Bowl, and of course, NFL kickoff coming up on Thursday as well. Great week, everyone. Thanks again. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us daily via podcast or on YouTube. Hit the red subscribe button, and we will see you Hopefully talking about the 11-1 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers after the Labor Day Classic. Tuesday, 1 o'clock, right here on WSD. Have a great long weekend. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 